Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we're talking about Harry motherfucking Potter. Specifically, The Deathly Hollows Part 2 from 2011. The final film, uh, Part 8 is what you could call it, I guess. Uh, it received three nominations at the 84th Academy Awards. Best Art Direction, Best Makeup, and Best Visual Effects. We're going to look at those categories later on in the episode. We're going to give our own awards out to Deathly Hollows Part 2. An incredible finale. Uh, it's it's rare sometimes that a that a, a franchise or a series or, or however you want to look at it sticks the landing the way Deathly Hollows Part Two sticks the landing, uh, makes you laugh, makes you cry, all the above, and just gets you fucking amped up to watch some some wizardry. So uh, I I had a blast. I watched watched all eight films over the past week or so. So I've just been I haven't like watched anything else except for. Um, basketball because it's it's now it's now we're now in the playoffs um i've been watching basketball and harry potter that's pretty much it every other you know all their movies like sorry i have to put on the back burner for now so it feels good to kind of be here just fresh off this this rewatch um i haven't i hadn't watched the films since we did um we did a film guys an episode we called them weird shit wednesdays and we did an episode on kind of the entire series of films which uh, I think we both agree uh, now at this point, a couple years later, uh, that was a mistake. Um, we both care a lot about these movies. We care a lot about the books and just kind of the world, you know, the Hogwarts, Hogwarts world. Uh, so we both didn't know exactly where to go with that episode because we basically gave ourselves two hours, gave ourselves two hours to talk about all eight films, everything that we love about them. And that's just not, that's not enough. So we're going to hone in on, Deathly Hall is part two, but I do want to do kind of a project that does shine a spotlight on the other films here and there. We're not going to, we're not going to go into detail about, you know, Philosopher's Stone, Chamber of Secrets and, and the rest, but we're going to spotlight some characters. So, you know, before we get into that project and I explain it, Connor, I wanted to hear from you because I know this this franchise means a lot to me, but I know it means a hell of a lot more to you, and you've been with it since you were a kid. So when exactly, if you had to give your best answer, when exactly did you fall in love with Harry Potter? I've I've had Harry Potter in my life pretty much my uh, from the beginning. Uh, Harry Potter is how I learned to read. Uh, oh, my- God, so special. <laughs> my my mom had um she bought the books when they came out in 97 and uh, i had sorcerer's stone and chamber of secrets and she would read to me and i would read back to her and it would that just became a thing and that's how i learned how to how to read so harry potter's a significant part of my development as a human being um mm. and then you know i sorcerer's stone the film came out when i was six and yeah. I saw every single film in theaters. It was an event for my family. I remember uh, waiting in line at Borders to get the seventh book when it came out. I was so excited. And 2007, yeah. Oh, I was so, I was, um, I was like, it's here. Like the, the, the ending, like the last book is here. And I went to, with my mom and dad to Borders. The clerk had to find a intact copy for me because people were going in and ripping the last chunk of pages out to find out the ending which is really twisted. Uh, I got the book and I read it in three days and I was like, Oh my God, it's amazing. And I, I was counting down the days to the movies like this. These were 
you know, for 10 years of my life, I was waiting for these, for these films every year. It was a huge deal. Uh, I've never looked back. I've, I've loved this franchise so much, all the books, the movies, it's, it's, it's everything to me. And mm. that's why I'm so bummed about the Fantastic Beast films kind of being pretty shitty because I feel like it's, you know, stripping away a bit of the legacy. Uh, but, you know, we'll always have these films. We'll always have the books. Uh, yeah, these are eternally special to me. Yeah, let's go ahead and get that the, the Fantastic Beast stuff out of the way. So, because I don't, I don't really want to bog down what we're about to do here throughout this episode. So yeah, I, I've seen the first two. I, I don't plan on seeing this new one. I just don't really care anymore. I think they've completely dropped the ball. I think there's so many cool avenues they could go. You know, they could do some kind of Voldemort prequel thing. They could do some kind of Severus Snape prequel thing. They could do, you know, they could show Harry's parents fighting, you know, uh, Back in the you know 70s, they could show Remus Lupin and Sirius Black and all these cool characters that we've all fallen in love with. And they could completely recast them with younger characters and sorry, younger actors, and, and and just kind of give fans what they want. Instead, they've given these kind of kind of boring films, and now it's this trilogy that I, I just don't really think is going to last very long. It's not going to age well. They're just not nearly as good as what we had before. So. I really just don't care, uh, which is so sad because uh, these, these, these eight films, these Harry Potter films are, are really good. Uh, for me, every single one of them is eight, except for Prisoner of Azkaban is a nine. That's my favorite one. Um, they're all just fucking good. <laughs> there's, no, there's not like a really a weak link to me. Uh, I, I think they all have something to say. I would have no problem if someone said, you know, Chamber of Secrets is my favorite, or Azkaban, or Deathly Hallows Part Two, or Order of the Phoenix. They all like, I, okay, I get it. Every every single film out of eight, that's a lot of movies, has an argument to be the best one, and that's really special. So, yeah, let's get that Fantastic Beast shit out of the way. Uh, we don't need that here. Um, this is this is about the first eight and about the seven books. You know, um, I'm my ride with them is so much different, and that's why I'm not as um, attached to them because I did not see them as a kid. I did not read the books as a kid. I was not really a reader until I was in eighth or ninth grade. Um, so I just didn't, I just didn't care really. And the only one I saw in theaters was a uh, half blood prince. And that's because, um, I was, and I remember it vividly because I was kind of cool, you know, it's 2009. Uh, so I was 14 and my cousins, we were at a family reunion in New Mexico. And my cousins were like, you know, they had seen this film already. And they're huge fans. And they're like, you guys should come with us to see it. Me and my two older brothers. And we went and saw it. And we're like, that was, that was pretty cool. But, you know, it's, we don't know what the fuck's going on. Because it's the fucking sixth movie. Uh, but, you know, at that time, I knew who a lot of these actors were. You know, I knew who, I knew these faces. And I was like, okay, they like, they're like, they like take this seriously. This is a, these actors are, are, are really talented. You know, from that one, you know, Helena Bonham Carter is putting in a fucking clinic in that movie. Uh, you know, Alan Rickman, of course, is incredible in that one. Uh, and, you know, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grant, and Emma Watson are, are, are awesome as they get older. So I was interested, but I, I still didn't go back and, like, read the books or, or watch all the films. I just was like, that was kind of neat. And, you know, saw in theaters, it looked really cool. And then years later, 
uh, I was 20, 20 years old. And my friend, my good, good friend, Kelly Gutierrez, who's probably the biggest Harry Potter fan I've ever met in my life. He's, he's obsessed with him. Like you are Connor and he's got tattoos from the movie and stuff. You know, he's just, he has one of those wands that like looks way too realistic, you know? Uh, and, uh, he was he 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 made it a you know he made it a mission to put, sit down and watch all the films with me you know and so we started with you know Philosopher's Stone we moved our way moved our way through them and I fell in love I like instantly fell in love um and then I was like I want to read the books so I bought I, I bought them all at half price books it was you know cost me cost me a little bit of money but I bought them all they're still on my shelf and it took me about a year to go through all of them and. I never really stopped. I never really put them down. I just breezed my way through them because they're while they're while some of them are long, especially the last four or so, last four books, they're they're hefty. They're so easy to read. And each chapter just ba 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 ba. And you just have to know it's one of those cliffhanger, cliffhanger, cliffhanger. Every chapter you have to know what's gonna happen next. Just brilliant, brilliant writing from JK. And I fell in love, you know, I fell in love with this world and these stories and these characters uh and they're they've kind of stuck with me since so I, i've only been really on like a seven-year journey with with the harry potter stuff and uh I, I really really dig it you know and and again at my age of 20 you know gary oldman's my guy so like it was cool it's cool to see him do something like this or david thulis it's really cool to see him do something like this uh, Alan Rickman, of course, you know, the, there's some of these actors I'm, I'm fucking obsessed with, you know? And so it had this different kind of hold on me where I wasn't so much about just the, the wizardry of it, you know, all, all the, the magic and whatnot. It was more like, Oh my God, I'm seeing these incredible British actors play these fucking, you know, these outlandish, you know, made up, made up characters that, and they're, they're so committed to it. So I, I just fell in love and I, I love that we have completely different paths to finding Harry Potter and finding that love for it. But here we are doing this episode. Um, before we, before we get into the hall of fame, I do want to go through you know, these movies. We can do a lot of them on this show <laughs> yeah, on Oscar Sunday, you know, definitely Hollis part two, like I said, has three nominations. Uh, the first film, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone here in the, here in the United States. Uh, also has three nominations for best score, best costume design, best art direction. Uh, that's Mr. John Williams uh, just fucking lighting you up right at the beginning of the movie just to get ready to go. So uh, I, I love that. that. That first one's great, dude. I do love that they had to call it the Sorcerer's Stone in America because we're such a dumbass country. We don't know what philosopher means. So they're like, yeah. just... Just to not deal with that, we're going to call it Sorcerer's Stone over here. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty great. It, it's a great start. And, you know, considering so much was riding on this film, I mean, Warner Brothers had high hopes. And J.K. Rowling stepped in to make sure nobody fucked with their vision, which I love that she was given so much creative control. And, uh, you know, the casting worked out. And it's still, it holds up. It's a, it's a nice whimsical adventure and the, you oh, can tell sure. the, the start of something truly beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I think, I think this one's just, 
I was talking to my friend at work and he said, this is his favorite one is, is the first one. He said, I just, I just like the vibe of that one more than the others. He's like, they're all great. He's like, but there's something about that initial, initial kind of culture shock where you get to platform nine and three quarters, you get to Hogwarts, you know, you see Hogwarts, you see the train, you see the school, you, you know, you're with these incredible characters uh, at this place, you know, this, the dining hall is like that first time you get to it, you're like, Oh my God, the sorting hat, you know, all those things that like kind of origin story aspect of it is, is so special. Um, I, yeah. I, I love that one. It's, it's great. It's probably like in my bottom two or three, but I still fucking love it. Um, Chamber of secrets didn't get any Oscar nominations. I think most people would say this is the weakest one, but damn, you know, there's some, some great shit. You know, this is when, of course, you know, Tom Riddle's diary, the, you know, that's the Horcrux that we don't know is a Horcrux yet. gets destroyed by the Basilisk uh, Fang. So it's a really huge moment for this, for the series and for the franchise that we don't quite know. And I, I really dig that. I think that's really good storytelling is to kind of have this callback. And then in Deathly Hollows Part 2, you have Ron and Hermione go back down to the Chamber of Secrets. and It looks the exact same. And that's so special to kind of go back to that place what fucking nine years later like that's really neat yeah i one of my favorite things about most of the films almost every single one is somehow a mystery it's a mystery story you're like who is after the sorcerer's stone who's petrifying students in the name of salazar slytherin where who's hiding Sirius black who rigged the triwizard tournament like it's every everyone has a, a like a mystery a whodunit you're kind of trying to figure out along the way and I, I think that's really cool. And Chamber of Secrets probably has my favorite one, which is like, who is who's doing this and why? And the fact mm. that it's Voldemort's almost ghost <laughs> that's behind all this is like, this is fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 they're, they're so special. It's like I've, I've run out of words to describe these movies almost. They're just they're like a part of my DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a good way of putting it where it. It's, you just know it. You just, you just know it. And when you're there, it's, it, you're kind of wrapped up in a, in a beautiful place. I, I find that whenever I watch any of the Harry Potters, I find myself on the internet finding out more stuff about it, you know, backstory, stuff from the past, things that maybe uh, that were in the books that I kind of forgot about. And it's just, it just unfolds this fucking massive world that I, I could just get lost in all day. Um, my personal favorite, Prisoner of Azkaban was nominated for original score and uh, visual effects. Fucking love that one. It's where all my favorite characters meet. Um, I'm obsessed with Lupin, obsessed with Sirius Black. Obviously, Snape is the man. I'm a big fan of uh, Pe- of Pettigrew. Uh, I think Timothy Spall fucking destroys that shit. And I- I'm obsessed with that part of the film, you know, like the last 30 minutes. And I love when they have to use the time turner to go back. And it's also directed by the great Alfonso Cuaron who is by far and away the most talented director works uh, in this series. It's just so funny that he did one and was like, yeah, I'm good. That was fun. <laughs> and he moves on and does children men. <laughs> Azkaban represents one of the, like, the best tonal shifts in a franchise ever. It's so it's, you can tell it's very much in the same world, but something changed. And I, I love that. Mm. It's just a general vibe of like adolescence, like, we're growing up gradually. It's not a hard left. It's a gradual approach to becoming old enough to deal with much more darker shit. And I love that. 
um, it's not jarring. Like it's, you know, it holds you by the hand until it needs to let you go. Mm. Uh, I also love that Quaron was like the second choice. They offered it to Del Toro and he said, I'd rather do Hellboy. And then they offered him Half-Blood Prince and he said, no, thanks. I'd rather do Hellboy too. <laughs> yikes. Yeah. Yikes, yikes, yikes. But I think a Harry Potter film in Del Toro's world would would be interesting to see. Uh, I, I do too. I think I think Del Toro sh- sh- should be a guy who who does some kind of, or he gets to really hone in on Voldemort and the wacky Death Eater stuff. I think I think he could he could knock that shit out of the park. I, yeah, fucking love Azkaban. Um, always will, always will think it's you know it's, it's my favorite. Uh, Fourth one, I love Goblet of Fire. This movie's amazing. It was it was nominated for Best Art Direction. This is where it takes that turn, where it's like, okay, Voldemort's here. He's he's here. You know, the famous um, scene of him coming back. You know, kill the spare, and we see we see the Batman, and he gets killed. You know, and uh, and then Harry, you know, Harry goes back. You know, he he uh, uh, they take the cup as like a port key. Him and him and uh, him and Cedric. <clears throat> and he goes back and he's like, he's back. Voldemort's back. You know, it's just like, I started crying when I watched this last time. I was like, oh my God, dude. Fuck. <laughs> it's that's, just, it's just that's the most so emotional, intense. maybe the most emotional scene in the entire film. Just Amos being like, that's my son. Like, how do you not, how does your heart not break? It's, it's fucking crazy. Oh God. And, dude, and, it, I, and it, cre- it, cre- it creates that divide in the wizarding world of mm. no, he, no, he's not. No, he's not. You're all liars. And it's like, look how many people witnessed this, you know, witnessed, this guy who's dead like what did harry kill him you know it's just like so amazing the divide it creates i will never forget when i first read the goblet of fire because the movie hadn't come out yet like i i read these yeah. before the films came out so yeah. i was not expecting voldemort to show up at the end of the book and i was like fuck like what what's gonna happen next like i had to wait for order of the phoenix <laughs> so i was like yeah. oh yeah. my god oh man <laughs> Oh, so boy. intense or order of the phoenix order of the phoenix uh I, I love this one this is my second favorite it has my favorite moment of the entire series when dumbledore and voldemort go head to head to head and it's like holy shit because you see you see so much intense shit right you know of course we start hearing about Sirius black you know in the third one he's very very prevalent uh we see him a bit in the fourth one and then the fifth one harry witnesses him vanish you know he, he passes away so you have Bellatrix running out. I killed Sirius Black. And then Harry's like, no, nah, you fucking didn't. You know, like he's just so angry because that's the last family he has left. Um, and and then you have Dumbledore who's like fucking back down. I got this, you know, and it's such like a epic, you know, I'm getting chills talking about it. It's such an epic epic moment that, that franchises just need. They thrive on these moments of of, of showdowns like that. And of course we get another showdown later on between Harry and Voldemort, but there's something about Dumbledore and Voldemort, the history behind them too, that runs deeper and means, and me, like means more to, to fans who, who, who kind of attach to that history, you know, the history of, of Dumbledore seeking out, you know, Tom Riddle as, as an orphan and seeking him out as a student and knowing that there's evil, that there's dark that lies within. And there, and, when he breaks all the glass and, you know, Dumbledore, you know, it all starts, you know, going into little bits. Like that's just such an epic moment. No Oscar nominations. I hate that. I think order of the Phoenix gets like a weird rap because of 
it's a lot of umbrage, right? It's a lot of Dolores umbrage and it's a lot of politics. I love that about it. I think it's so cool that this, this book and this movie, they go into that stuff. They go into, there are parents out there who are fucking nuts, just like there's parents now in our real world who are crazy about their kids and where they go to school and how intense it is. I love that stuff. And you have the Dumbledore's army scenes where Harry's teaching everybody defense against the dark arts. Fuck yeah. That's so cool. Order of the Phoenix is a great movie, but you know, it, it's like, like 40% of the book, which is what bothered a lot of people. I get Um, that. I get that. I understand. Same with Half-Blood, right? Yeah. Those two really got sliced up. Uh, especially like Ginny's whole arc got completely erased, which is a bummer. But Order of the Phoenix, the film is so particularly dark because it's, you know, it's Harry against the world. It's the it's like he's never felt more alone. Even he doesn't even fully trust his friends to have his back. Like it's it's rough and it's rough seeing him like that. And God, that fight with Dumbledore just showing up. I love Ugh. that people won't even like they call Voldemort, you know, you know who or he who must not be named. Only like people with really strong hearts will call him Voldemort, but never to his face. Dumbledore straight up calls him Tom. Yeah. Like so bad to his face. Like, I don't care what you call yourself. You're still that little boy who's stealing shit from the orphanage. And I'm going to show you who's your daddy. Like it's, it's, yeah. Cool <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, Oh, it's some Gandalf shit, you know? It's just like, fuck you, I am powerful. <laughs> like, uh, it's so badass. Yeah, I love that one. Um, Half-Blood Prince was nominated for Best Cinematography. Uh, that's it. It's the only cinematography nomination that, that these films get, which I thought was interesting because I think it's a very strong point in a lot of these movies. So it was cool to see that I got a shout out there. Uh, Bruno Delbana. Uh, that's 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 a strong point in that film. I love Half Blood. I, I I understand you know that it is so much different than the book in some ways and takes a lot of liberties. But Christ Almighty, it's got it's got some wicked shit. And of course, you know Dumbledore dying is just such a crucial part of the movie. And it's where Snape is like playing double agent, and he know you know Dumbledore knows you know he's like. No, I know what's going on. Ultimately, this is going to help in the end. And, and you're just kind of fooled as a viewer. And that's like such a beautiful thing. Uh, this is also where we get a lot of the Death Eater stuff, you know, where we finally see, you know, we see more of uh, Draco's parents and we see Bellatrix a lot. So I'm all for that. I love watching those really dark characters just fucking get down. I do. I do appreciate that they, you know, they got the finer points, right? Dumbledore's death was handled very well. I, another like just moment I'll never forget reading Half-Blood Prince and just feeling the weight of Snape's betrayal. Cause at that point you're like, Oh, he's a dick, but he's on the right side. And then it's like, Oh no, he's been playing everybody. He's the real bad guy. You son of a bitch. (laughs) And you just, you feel that. And I just, you know, I wish the Half-Blood Prince reveal had been done better. That was, you know, didn't really, Mm. wasn't relevant to the film's plot as it was to the, to the book. Uh, but you know, it's great. I love laying out the Horcrux plan. Like this is how we kill him. And then Harry having to be like, well, it's time for a time for a quest. You know, revving uh, up the seventh book or seventh movie. And yeah, it's great. I love Jim Broadbent. As oh, Slughorn. Man. He's the best. Slughorn. Slughorn's great, dude. Like what a great addition. 
Uh, yeah, I love that at the beginning when they go to his house and he's the he's the armchair and who's, who's this fucker, you know? <laughs> and, and he's great. Yeah, he he knocks that shit out of the park. Uh, I I really dig Half Blood. You know, I again this is the only one I saw in theaters and. I've always thought it's one of the more boring ones. And then, and then I, you know, you look deeper and you're like, well, this one, this one's got a lot of really crucial moments in, in the story turning. Like you said, the, the Horcrux thing. Well, and you have our three main characters at the end. They're like, we can't go back to school. We, we got to like kill this fucker. <laughs> like, and they decide that and it's such a beautiful shot at the end of the movie when it's them three and kind of the sunset, right where Dumbledore died. And it's just beautiful, you know, um, beautifully dark. And, and I, I love it. Uh, Deathly Hall is part one. This this one I think requires requires some taste. I think it's it's a slow burner. You know, it's the it's the most kind of character driven one because we are really with Harry, Ron, Hermione the entire film. We don't get a lot of crazy you know set pieces. We get we we, we get the friendship stuff. This is where friendship is on display the most, and you feel the you feel the tension and then you feel the love uh, of course, towards the end when, you know, Ron leaves and then comes back. Um, This is nominated for best visual effects and art direction, pretty normal stuff for Harry Potter to be Harry Potter to be getting. Uh, I I love Death Hill as part one. I love it. I think it's, it's got one of my favorite bits from the whole franchise is is the animated bit of the Deathly Hollows at the end. I think that's such a powerful powerful moment in explaining what we're doing and what, what where we're going as, as viewers uh, not treating you like an idiot but just giving you kind of this this story this riddle type thing or to figure it out even Harry is confused and um, I love that about it I think it's I think it's one that people either kind of go one way or the other you know some people are like nah this one's come on what are we doing too much character development it's too too boring I definitely lean the other way where I think this one's really special around this time that this really stops being a a kid's movie. Like it's, Mm. this is a dark, like you said, character driven thriller. It's, you know, there's times you wonder like they're going to fail. Like, how do they defeat this thing? Like, how do they do this? And like their friendship starts fracturing over this like lack of a plan. And you really start to feel for Harry and just realizing like, he never wanted any of this. Like this is, he's, you know, fulfilling somebody else's destiny. And there's moments in this movie that are just so dark, like the whole, you know, snake in the, in the old lady shit. Like that was terrifying. Yeah. Uh, I love the attack on, or the, uh, the raid on the ministry when they dress up as the three people and have to get Umbridge's necklace. I love Dobby's return. Oh um, man, Dobby's return. Oh, that's such a special moment. Oh man. Uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm so glad they split the final book into two movies because it needed to be done. It was so much was crucial to the story. They didn't want to leave anything out. I appreciated that. Uh, I don't think Hunger Games had to do it. I don't think Twilight had to do it. And I don't think Divergent had to do it. But Harry Potter had to do it. Yeah, those, those all of those movies are, are second fiddle to Harry Potter. Uh I think, I think Order of the Phoenix and Half Blood probably require splitting of them in two, which is why people are like, "Holy shit, you left all this stuff out!" But it's like, oh, we can't have ten movies. <laughs> they could have though. I mean, why not? They added three more not so great ones uh, lately. So they would have loved. Nearly, I would have loved. They nearly 
did it to Goblet of Fire. They were only they were this close. They're like, it's it's too big. We don't want to leave too much out. What why don't we just make two movies? And I don't remember who kiboshed that, but somebody was like, no. <laughs> like might have been JK yeah. Rowling. She's like, let's not do that. Yeah, I, I, I get it because if you if you say say Goblet of Fire is split into Order of the Phoenix and Half Blood, that's three more movies. It would have been 2012, 13, 14, you know, 2015 by the time it's done. And you know, everyone everyone gets older and looks older, and you start to lose that, lose that touch. You know, I think 10 years is such a beautiful window to kind of finish what you started. So I get it. I get those decisions. Uh it just it sucks that some fans don't feel like they were complete, you know, Order of the Phoenix and Half Blood. So, but you know, I still love them. They're great movies. Yeah, they're still good movies. And you know, if you want more, read read the book. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, they're right there. They're like so easy to find. They're some of the most popular books in existence. So, uh, yeah, of course, the last film, Delta Hall, is part two, the one we're going to be talking about later. So, I just want to kind of go through all those, talk about the nominations that God kind of give a brief, brief, you know. Little, little, little praise, little respect. Uh, so let's dig into this project. So you and I did uh, fucking Coco not too long ago. And we did this really fun project called the Pixar Character Hall of Fame. Uh, that's one of my favorite things we've ever done on any of our episodes. I thought it was just really neat. It was a blast to kind of go through the filmography of Pixar and go through our favorite characters. Why not do the same thing with Harry Potter? Now, because there's eight films, uh, I, I wanted to, I don't want to do only eight. That's fucked up. You know, we're, we're, we'll lose space really quickly. Because with Pixar, we did 24 because there's 24 movies, right? With Turning Red, there's 25. Uh, Turning Red, amazing stuff, by the way. I'd love, to, uh, I'd love to talk about that one, you know, years from now. And, you know, I hope it gets an Oscar nomination. That'd be great. But with Pixar, we did 24. So we did 24 characters. With this, I want to just go ahead and times it by two. So instead of eight characters, let's do 16. Uh, I have a pool that I've cut down to, I believe, 21 characters. Very difficult. Very, very, very difficult. I had to, I, I, I forget how many of them I just really, really dig. Uh, whether it's, you know, Harry, who's on the screen for the whole fucking time to, you know, someone like Dobby, right? Uh, I, I really dig a lot of characters. So I had a hard time. At first I had it, I think at 30 something, 34, 35. And then I cut it down to 21. And I figured you and I could kind of, kind of bounce off, bounce off characters. How many do you have? Uh, I didn't count. I just kept writing them down as I <laughs> oh, watched them. I've got oh, just not, not a lot. I mean, I'm definitely under 30. So, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I went with just, same. you know, first appearances and uh, characters I like, not necessarily character significance to the plot or character significance to the, to the, like, I, I went with just, do I like this guy? Yeah. I, yeah. I think this Hall of Fame, it's ours. You know, it, it belongs, it belongs to Oscar Sunday. It belongs to Austin and Kyle. So with that being said, the Harry Potter character Hall of Fame has to start off with Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I mean, I mean, you know, he, he, he's, he's the fucking man. And you know what? I love him. I love Daniel Radcliffe. I love what Daniel Radcliffe has done since then. I think he's completely changed the way people look at him. Uh, movie fans, you know, he's always going to be Harry, of course, but he's done some weird ass movies, you know, from shit like Swiss Army Man. The fuck? That's completely different from what we're used to. And he's, you know, worked on the stage a bunch. So I really like what Daniel Radcliffe has done with his career. 
I think he's a damn good actor in this, in this series. You know, he grows as the movies grow. He gets better and better. There's a moment in chamber of secrets where you're like, "Uh Oh, is this our guy? Uh, it's when um, the Phoenix at the end uh, basically rescues him. And he says, of course, Fe- uh, Phoenix tears have healing powers. You know, it's very, it's not well delivered. It's kind of, kind of corny. And you're like, "Uh Oh, is this our guy? Is this our guy for eight movies? And then he fucking, he picks it up. He gets better and better and better. By Deathly Hollows Part 2, this is our guy. He is the fucking chosen one, and I believe it. So I think Harry Potter has to be the first guy we, we talk about. See, to me, Chamber of Secrets is the one where I'm like, okay, he's got chops. And it's it's ones, I agree with you on that scene. That scene's like, oh, Jesus, that, was that the first take? Oh, my God. But <laughs> right, yeah, it's like <laughs> surely was did he like not eat lunch that day? Yeah, what's going on? We're running out of film, Dan. Just say it, we'll move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's at the end, and it was an improvised line from Jason Isaacs. Uh, he looks in Harry's direction, and he says, like, let us hope that Mr. Potter will always be around to save the day. And Harry looks right at him and says, Don't worry, I will be. It's like, oh fuck. this is our hero right here. Ooh. <laughs> Like already you're, you know, improvising with Jason Isaacs, like at 12 years old, like I, I can get behind this guy, Jason Isaacs, Jesus Christ. We, we might be talking about him. Um, we're going to, we are, we're going to be talking. Okay. Good, good, good. Uh, so, so do you want to go ahead and pencil in Harry, Ron and Hermione? Yeah. The, the trio is okay. Yeah. You need all three of them. Um, let's talk, let's talk about Rupert Grant. So obviously he like, hasn't really done anything acting wise. Um, it's very interesting to hear him talk about his experience compared to someone like Daniel Radcliffe or Emma Watson. Uh, but I fucking love Ron. I love his, I love his humor. I love his, his kind of his weird run through the movies as he's kind of this bumbling fool. And then once we get to the last two films, he's making these huge, huge executive decisions that really at, at some points save the day. You know, he, without Ron, you know harry's fucked (laughs) well ron you know he has the most to lose he's got a huge family he's he's got a lot invested in in this fight and we've i think people forget about that but Mm. you know ron's the the heart of the group hermione's the brains and harry's the strength that's kind of how i've always seen it yeah and ron well he doesn't really do much he's not the greatest friend at times uh, you know, in the end, he comes through. He always comes through. And uh, beautiful. Yeah, we need that. We need him. And Hermione is, you know, they'd be so fucked without her. Like from day one, they would be dead without her. Yeah, yeah. She's 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 really the most talented. Um, she's the smartest one. Obviously, she's the one who knows how to do spells the best. She knows all of her potions. She knows all that stuff. You know, she's a She's, she's a fucking witch. You know, she's an incredible, incredibly powerful. She reminds me of the Scarlet Witch at times where it's like, she doesn't quite know how powerful she is. You know, you're like, God, Hermione, you can do some damage, dude. Like, And, and Emma Watson, she might be the best of the three uh, main actors. She is so talented and, and has put together a pretty cool run since then. She immediately does, you know, perks of being a wallflower, just completely does a, does a movie completely different from what she was used to plays an American character uh, from, from I believe Pittsburgh is where they live in that movie. And so she has the accent and everything. And 
I think she, she wanted to change people's perspective on her really quickly so that she doesn't get just, you know, typecast as Hermione. And I, I love that she's done that. She hasn't really stopped since. Uh, I really, really like Emma Watson. And I think there was no one else who could have played Hermione from, from the, the first movie she shows like, this is, this is our girl, you know, uh, right when, right when we meet her with her kind of like wild hair, it's like real, <laughs> real curling and crazy and, she's just kind of fucking talking shit to Harry and Ron. And you're like, that's Hermione, you know? (laughs) Well, they had to, you know, Harry had to learn to manage his newfound fame. Hermione had to learn to not treat people like idiots. And Ron had to learn to not be such a dick. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking douche. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I think those three are, are, are always going to be the, you know, they're, they're the trio. They, they have to be here. Um, now we have 13 spots left. Where do we go from here, my man? I'm going to let you kind of, kind of drive this thing. Um, you know, I, I obviously have my favorites and I know you do too, but who do you think is kind of the next, next in line? Who, who belongs? I think from there, we've got to go to Dumbledore. Uh, that's who I have. Yep. That's who I have down next. Yeah. I'm t- I think we should go, you know, in theatrical appearance order. Okay, uh, perfect. That's how I have them too. Okay. Uh, Dumbledore is an interesting situation because it's one of the few times where they had to recast a major character uh, due to Richard Harris' unfortunate passing in 2002. But I don't know how they pulled it off, but the transition to Michael Gambon is so fucking seamless that you don't even really notice. It's weird. Like, it's just they both inhabit Dumbledore so perfectly that you just see the character. I, I, I to this day don't understand how that like nobody really complained or like said anything about it. It was just like, okay, he's Dumbledore now. <laughs> it's it's the greatest recasting in cinematic history. I mean, this is this doesn't happen. This is so rare for something with this kind of IP with these kinds of fans who are obsessed and will notice things if you change them. Yeah. You know, think think about some of the stuff they did in you know Game of Thrones. There's but there were some recasts there where they looked completely different. You know, and you're like, wait, what? That's Dario? No, it's not. <laughs> you know, and with this, when I first watched the films, I was like, wait a minute, is that a different guy? You know, I was 20. I was 20 years old, and I was like, is that it? That's a different motherfucker. You know, and I had no <laughs> idea about all that. I know this is unpopular, but I think. I think it ended up being a recast that, that worked out. You know, I think Harris is, is, is the fucking man, but Jesus Christ, there are some, there's some stuff late in the later films, you know, especially half blood when we're in the seaside cave where you're like, I, I don't know who else could do this. And I, I know it's hard to kind of, kind of do that. Cause you know, Harris passed away and if he would have been able to do it, he would have done it. But man, they did such a good job of finding the right, right guy to fill those shoes and maybe even take it, take the character to another level. Well, Dumbledore, you know, becomes a much more physical character. The later we get into the movies, he's, you know, he's doing duels and he's involved much more in the main story. Um, And yeah, I think Michael Gambon just inhabits that side of the character. And also he becomes a much more duplicitous, almost evil character in, in ways like he's manipulating a child because he knows one day this child has to die. And I mean, there's a, you know, there's a warm grandfather side to Dumbledore, but there's this dark wizard in waiting that we meet from time to time. And I just, I, I love 
the kind of two-faced nature of Dumbledore that only really slightly gets explored in the movies, but it's all over the books. Mm. Uh, so I, I feel like it took, you know, losing the man he loved to put him on this path of, I'm not going to be a dark wizard. Like I could, I could, I could burn this shit down right now, but I won't do it because I've seen what I could become with Grindelwald. And I'm, I'm sad. We're never going to probably see that happen because of, the movies are going to fucking fail, but the story's there in the beginning. Like in the first book, they mention Grindelwald and Dumbledore's fight with him, like in, in Sorcerer's Stone. Like she had this shit planned out. Yeah. It's so neat. Uh, but yeah, Dumbledore needs to be here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. Fucking love Albus. I love that. His son is named, you know, Albus Severus Potter. So fucking neat, you know. To name your kid after those two is is pretty special. Uh, God, I, I love Dumbledore. <laughs> I love his. Uh, my favorite my favorite moments are, of course, when he when he takes over and starts fighting Voldemort and Order the Phoenix. But th- that that moment in the cave uh, in Half Blood Prince, when he's like, you know, it, 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 I thought of a, I thought of a weird movie comparison when I was watching that when he's drinking. And he's like, you know, do not let me stop drinking this, no matter what. If you have to force it down my throat, I thought of Philip Seymour Hoffman in Owning Mahoney when he's like, "Don't let me fucking spend another dime." <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, I need my money." <laughs> you know? It's just this immediate turnaround of like, I- I'm doing exactly what I told you. You got to stop me from doing. And uh, Albus in that in that moment, Albus and Harry have this moment of like, "Oh my god!" Like. Harry becomes a fucking man right there, you know, and it's, it's so huge. Yeah. Dumbledore is fucking fascinating. And I really wish they could, they could nail that shit with, you know, a prequel of him or, or whatever we get, you know, I wish they would nail, I wish they would nail that and they're just not. Uh, so that's really frustrating. I feel like he deserves like a mini series on HBO max of some sort, um, just completely revamp all that shit. Yeah, I mean, you know what? That'd be an interesting direction to take the Harry Potter property. It's the way to go. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Somebody will pitch that. Somebody it's with cloud will pitch that. Whenever I was talking to you and I was like, oh yeah, you know, Warner Brothers, you know, they're still, they still have that. That's that's their property. And it's one of their one of their most, you know, well-known, you know, uh series of, you know, franchise or series, whatever. I, I, I feel like if we could just get kind of like what Disney's doing with their characters, you know, low key and all that stuff, if we can get like six or eight episodes about Severus in high school, mm. I'll take, we'll take it. The fans will take it. And HBO max could, could, could be like, okay, Disney plus we see you and we're going to fucking raise you. You know, uh, I've always wondered what, what's, what's going on there. Is there something, you know, something going on where they're like behind the scenes that we don't know about. Cause you have, fucking 50 characters that could have you know arthur weasley watching him go through you know the ministry of magic and and talk about muggles i'll watch it i'll watch six episodes of him just kind of studying what he loves you know and and kind of you know tell me harry what is the function of a rubber duck (laughs) you know i could i could watch that all day so i think they have endless endless stuff they just don't know where to go so Albus Dumbledore is number four in our, our Hall of Fame. Who's next? Uh, Snape. Fuck, yes. I have him... I have him sixth. I have Hagrid fifth. 
So I, I don't know if you have Hagrid in there. I don't know if he's someone you, you, you... do I have Hagrid? Yes, I have Hagrid. <laughs> I, I, fi- I figured because Hagrid shows up, you know, very early on. He's, he's really, you know, he's at the very beginning of the film. And then of course we see him when he goes to the Dursleys, uh, we see him basically kidnap Harry and he's like, no, we're, we're going to fucking Hogwarts, buddy. Uh, so I wondered if you had, yeah, okay, we're going to talk about Hagrid soon. Snape. Snape is the definition of a shoe. His character is so perfect. It's, it's weird. It's the perfect amount of like, something's not right about this guy. But we've been told he's a good guy. So you just roll with it. But, you know, the more bad shit he starts doing, the more you start thinking, like, somebody's lying to me. <laughs> and in the end, you know, he was he was a he was a hero. But, you know, as I said earlier tonight to my family when we were watching Deathly House, too, I said, just because you're a hero doesn't mean you're not a dick. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's weird that Snape's whole character is this loyalty to Harry's mom, this love that was un- unrequited, and he never got over it. It's creepy the more you think about it. And it's very creepy. Yeah. <laughs> the best way yeah. to honor her memory is to like abuse her son for seven years. That's pretty fucked up. <laughs> you got some shit to work out, my man. Yeah. Literally like terrorizing students to the point where like the scariest thing Neville can imagine is you. I mean, Dumbledore should have had, like Hogwarts does not have an HR department and it needs one. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I like care. that. But Alan Rickman brings this smarm and this like, don't fuck with me attitude to the character that he has. The second you see him at Sorcerer's Stone, when he's just like, like no one waved their wands in this class. I'm going to teach you kids how to change the world. And it's like, oh boy, I believe him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he has the quickest um what's the word? He come he comes in guns a blazing and doesn't stop the entire time. He Alan Rickman might be the best overall performance of the entire series. He doesn't he doesn't let up. He never takes his foot off the gas, you know. While while we have, you know, some 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 kids who are acting here, Alan Rickman is like fucking on it the entire time. He and his voice, there's nothing like Alan Rickman's voice when he wants to take it there, that monotone, you know, back off, Harry Potter. He just he just has this 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 way of just holding you. And oh man, sometimes I think he's my favorite character in the whole the whole thing. Uh he's he's right up there. He's definitely my top five. I think my favorite Snape moment is so brief, but it's such a great exchange of dialogue. It's in Goblet of Fire. When he's looking through his stores because Gillyweed went missing and Harry walks mm. right past him. And he just goes, Potter, what's your hurry? Yeah. <laughs> like, draws him in with just his voice. It's, it's great. But I think the reason, you know, Rickman was so like, like a head above everybody else is because he was the only person on set who knew the whole story which is really mm. cool. J.K. Rowling told him everything about Snape, like that he was a not really a traitor, that he's going to kill Dumbledore, that he's actually a good guy, that he loved Harry's mom, all of that on the Sorcerer's Stone set so that it would help his performance gradually over the course of the films. Nobody else got that treatment, just him. Yeah, I mean, who, who would you look in the eye and be like, I think I'm going to tell that guy stuff. <laughs> it's, 
he, he, he demands it from you. He's, you know, Alan Rickman, rest in peace, you know, um, just a freak, a freak of nature type, type actor. Uh, you know, of course, you can't talk about Alan Rickman without talking about Die Hard, you know. Um, he's a hero. He, he really is a hero. And Snape is the character he, he, leave, he, it's his legacy. It's what people know the most. You know, Severus Snape is this, this Slytherin guy, this guy who always wants to be the difference against the dark arts teacher and uh, never quite, you know, never quite gets it. And then at the end, he's the fucking headmaster. And then his death is like, oh my God, you know, it's so brutal. Um, death by giant snake is definitely not, not something I want uh, for anyone I know. He, yeah, he, he's so fucking amazing. You could talk about him forever. This is the one where it's like, okay, why are we not making stuff about Snape? This is the character everybody loves. This is the one where you can kind of go to like weird, dark, weird, dark places where he fucks with the dark, dark magic. But he also has this strange, strange adoration and love for, for Lily. There's, there's so much there from, I would, I would kill for a TV show of him from, and I don't even really like TV, but I would watch the shit out of a Snape show from, you know, whatever year four to year seven, you know, I, I, would, I would, I would eat that up. He's the man. I would love an episode or a, a series, you know, of Snape proving himself to Voldemort becoming part of his inner circle. Cause that's not easy. I would love, he's not just a death eater. He's like, like Voldemort's most trusted death eater. Yeah. Yeah. He's, well, I think he, I think Voldemort knows that Snape is because of, his, because of his connections and because of his ability to just, just fucking like look people dead in the eye and give them what they want, lie to them, whatever it is. I think he knows he's the most dangerous of all of his, you know, I think Bellatrix is the most, uh, like I'll do anything you say, dark Lord. You know? Yeah. She, she's his rabid dog. Like, yeah. Straight up. But Snape is like, is, is his strongest ally is the guy who could really do some fucking damage. And, and, you know, he knows that, you know, uh, there's a reason he fucking talks a lot of shit to Malfoy, to Lucius and not Severus. You know, he's just like, you're a fucking bitch, Lucius. <laughs> you know? I love that scene in Deathly Hell. Like to, to Lucius, he's like breaking his wand in front of him, being like, you know, you're a failure. But to Snape, he's like, oh, I thought you got lost. Take a seat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love those little little bits of character development where you know Voldemort's just like Snape could probably like fight me, but Lucius, you're a fucking bitch. Like you, you just do anything I say. Your hair is all askew. You've got fucking five o'clock shadow by the time the, the, the movies are coming to a close because you're fucking, you've lost it. You've lost everything. Beautiful. Yeah. So Snape, good. Snape <laughs> given. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously we could talk about him all day. Um, number six. From there, let's go to Hagrid. All right. Perfect. The fucking only adult. Hagrid. Like the only adult who wasn't related to Harry who loved him unconditionally. Like right he away. didn't care yeah. about his fame. He didn't care about his fortune. He didn't care that he was an asset. He just saw this little boy who needed a friend. Mm. And that makes him super special. Yeah. God, I love Hagrid. I, I've always wanted a Hagrid hug, you know, oh. uh, this, this giant, like eight foot monster. I just want to, I just want to hug. Uh, and, and an unlikely, you know, unlikely great performance from, from, from Coltrane, you know, he, he, he's kind of playing with people that are a little bit above him. His, you know, his, his resume, his filmography, 
but damn, he's, he's fucking batting with everybody. You know, if, if, if Alan Rickman's batting average is, is a thousand, you know, I'd say, I'd say Coltrane's is, you know, like 800, you know, he's right there. He's not, he's not quite as good, but damn, he, that guy can act in, in, in these movies. You ever heard his natural speaking voice? Yes. What the fuck? Super deep Scottish. Yeah. Like the the stuff he's doing vocally for Hagrid is peak performance. Yeah. It's great, great stuff. Yeah. I I, I watched an interview with him and I was like, wait, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't believe it. And and he was clean shaven in in the the interview and he had shorter hair. And I was like, this is just fucking wild. (laughs) His relationship with the, with the three leads is is perfect i love them kind of conning information out of him constantly and him not really realizing it until it's too late like i probably shouldn't have said that to these kids <laughs> it's yeah yeah, yeah. and then I he's love, just yeah go ahead I, I love his adoration for creatures you know for yeah. oh buckbeak yeah <laughs> it's so good uh, I love that he's like showing off the dragons like look at look at these creatures he's like the fucking you know scottish crocodile hunter it's it's awesome. Look at look at that. That's the Hungarian horntail right there. I'm gonna uh, touch it. <laughs> so but, um, good. Yeah, he's he's great. I love that he just he ha- he doesn't have an agenda, you know. And he was betrayed as a child. He you know Voldemort fucked up his life first. Mm. Uh, got him you know expelled. Made him lose his wand. And. I, I hope that after the events of Chamber of Secrets were revealed that like Hagrid was innocent, I hope he got a wand, like he got his wand back. He got to go back to school or something. Yeah, fuck, man. In Chamber of Secrets, you just want to fucking knock Tom Riddle's fucking teeth out in that in that moment. You're like, how could you fuck with Hagrid? You know, I love I love I love when Hagrid's like, uh, I think it's in, pretty sure it's in Half Blood Prince when he's like. Uh, Ah, spiders, misunderstood creatures they are. (laughs) Uh, And Slughorn's like, do you think I could, you think I could have a bit of his hair? It's very, you know, it's very rare. He's like, sometimes when I'm watching these movies, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) You know, it's so outlandish and so ridiculous. Uh, And Hagrid fits right into that mold, you know, of what the fuck? This is so fun. It's just such a blast to be in this ridiculous world. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm my only like one of my one of the few scenes I, I wish they'd kept in Deathly Hallows Part Two, and I think I'm remembering this right. In the books, I think Hagrid is like leading an army of giant spiders, like oh, against yeah. Voldemort. Like he just comes out of yeah. the woods with like you know Aragog's kids, and it's like you know kill, <laughs> which is fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, I love Hagrid. He's he's the perfect like you know friend to Harry before he. You know, it's just, it's just great. He's great. Yeah, he's 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 really essential to just for some for humor for that kind of connection as a fan as a per as just a human who you can feel Hagrid's human emotions uh, throughout throughout the film. So yeah, he's wonderful. Um, so that's our number six. Where are we going to next? Now now the floodgates kind of open. Um, this is tough. Uh, I think we got to go. Uh, Professor McGonagall. Minerva, let's go. Maggie Smith is an international treasure, and she did not need to commit as hard as she did with these movies. This could have been a phoned-in, you know, paycheck performance. I mean, in the last movie, she was um she had some condition 
that was uh, debilitating, but she insisted that she be in this finale. She was like, I've been in all the other movies. I'm going to see this through. And that's great. I think, you know, my, my favorite moment of hers is in the final movie when she steps in front of Harry and duels Snape. Oh, uh, boy. oh when Harry, when Harry looks at her and she's like, what do you need? And he's like time as much as, you know, as much as I can get, she's like that I can do, you know? And she goes, by the way, good to see you, Harry. And I was like, Oh, it's fucking good. <laughs> or, or when she, when she does that spell and all the, uh, what are those things called? Those like giant knights come down. And she's yeah. like, I've always wanted to do that spell. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite random moments of hers is in Half-Blood Prince when uh, Harry and Ron are just like hanging out between classes, like laughing at people. And she's yeah. like, don't you think you would want to take an extra potions class, Harry? And by the way, take Weasley with you. It looks far too happy up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's great because she's 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 the person who's there for so much of what happens with our, our three main characters. And I love when she's like, why is it when something happens, it's always you three? <laughs> yeah, she's she's incredible. Maggie Smith is 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 a god. Um, well, also, you know, when the first one came out, she was a big get for this to add some legit, like some serious legitimate British yeah. talent to this two-time Academy Award-winning, you know, Dame Maggie Smith. Yeah. Like, suddenly, this was serious. Yeah, this is this is a big deal for sure. She yeah. she is big time. You know, I, I think. So far, you know, we've talked about Alan Rickman, but Maggie Smith is in a league of her own. So, uh, yeah, that's she's the best. I think the best actress we've talked about so far, uh, best performer we've talked about. She's just put together such an incredible resume. So love that. She's number seven. I love her name. I love. I love the way she just operates at Hogwarts and she's someone that I feel like if I was at school, I would need someone kind of like that. Who's who's a little bit harsh, but also just so so understanding in times of in times of need. Well, I mean, you know, sending Harry the broomstick in the first movie, like knowing you know he didn't he didn't have one, and she wanted him to you know win, but also to to get mail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, everyone just looking out for just looking out for for the lonely kid. Yeah, the chosen one. Yeah, it's so good. All right. Um, I had some names written down in between there. Okay. Um, I don't know how you feel about them, so I'll go ahead and name them. They're all. Uh, I have. I have. Well, I'll just go ahead and say them. I have Draco Malfoy written down in there. Tough. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's tough. I don't know if he makes the cut. Ooh. Ah, you just you just heard a lot of a lot of uh girls who love that blonde hair. Yeah, I know he. I just... <laughs> We're get, it's getting tight here. We've already done seven. We have nine left. Like, how do we how do we fit him in? You know, Malfoy is an interesting character. I feel like the, the he didn't get the full arc that I think we all wanted, where he becomes a good guy. I think we were all kind of hoping that would happen, and it, we kind of get to the line, but he never makes the full leap, which is fine. You know, it'd be a little dishonest to the character, I guess. But beyond just smarmy rich dick there's not a lot of substance to this guy yeah yeah and i i think what we're doing here is not a hall of fame of the books we're doing a hall of fame of the movies and the performances we're talking a lot about the actors and the actresses who portray these characters i'm not sure i think he's a maybe i think we can maybe come back to him okay but i I don't know i also have Ginny weasley written down um Mm. 
Not in the movies. No. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I think she's she's a pass. Uh, I also have Fred and George Weasley written down. I think we love, should love those guys. Considering they're they're in, you know, a unit. I think that should be one slot as Fred and George. Okay, I can dig that. Yeah, I mean they're literally attached at the hip. Yeah. Um, and then I have their dad, Arthur, uh, written down there as well. Uh, not sure how you feel about Arthur, but he is my guy. I love both of the Weasley parents, and I, I want them both there. Okay. Okay. So we have Molly and Arthur. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't argue with that. I think Molly has one of the coolest moments. Um, I'll probably be talking about it in my, uh, my awards. So <laughs> I'll save that for later. <laughs> yeah. But she's just... Okay. Julie Walters did such a great job with with Molly Weasley. She is such a warm person. She's everyone's mom. And the fact that she would just go out of her way to help this kid that she knows has nobody, she can tell is, is you know, afraid and alone. And she just becomes a mom to Harry because, you know, he doesn't have family. So she gives him her family, which is mm. such a beautiful thing. And every single movie, she treats him like her own son. She gives him Christmas presents. You know, she invites him to their house every every Christmas. They like she cares about him. I love there's a, a line in uh, Order of the Phoenix when uh, Sirius says, like, Molly, you know, he's not your son. And she says he's as good as and I'm like, oh, mm. my heart. So, yeah, the Weasley parents are great people. And I, I definitely want them in there. OK, so Arthur and Molly both make it. Yeah, you think I think Fred and George maybe will come back around to them. Maybe they're maybe. Yeah, I think so because they're just funny as hell and really some responsible for some of the best moments in the franchise. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I love. I love when you know uh, they if something horrible happens, they're for you know how are you feeling? Saint like <laughs> you know they they just immediately go to humor and and I, I adore that about them. Um, I've always loved both of them. Uh, I, I, that family, you know, I just love the Weasley family. I love their connection. Yeah. I love, I love how we get, <clears throat> you know, we have of course, Brendan Gleeson who plays one of like the most fascinating characters of the whole series franchise. And then his son plays one. Of Weasley's. <laughs> That's so yeah. fascinating to me. Uh, I, I, I always loved that. I thought that was like really, really interesting casting because now Donald Gleeson has become, become a nice, nice name. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bill, another character I wish we'd gotten to see a little bit more. And we never even met Charlie. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, that's... And these movies aren't short, you know? So it's like, I get it. I get it. You don't want to go for fucking four hours. But it would be nice, you know? That's why we need these little TV shows. All right, so Arthur is in. Molly is in. That gives us nine already. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Okay. Um, so we got to start being you, a little bit more selective. Yeah. Where, where do you want to go from here? All right. Let's, let's go. Let's move on to chamber of secrets. Talk about some first timers yeah. here. Yes. Uh, Lucius Malfoy. Man. One of the best villain introductions I think I've ever seen. Just straight up, just the hair, the cane, the walk, the disdain in his eyes. Immediately you're like, Oh, we don't like him. And, yeah. you know, just the way he treats the Weasleys, the way he looks at Harry of like, you know, you, you don't even know how strong you are and you don't care. Like, 
Uh, and then, you know, the bootlicking to Voldemort. He's, he, uh, I love Jason Isaacs to death. I think he kills it in this role. I love his chemistry with Daniel Radcliffe and with Tom Felton. Uh, I think we gotta, I think we gotta put him on there. Yeah. I, I yeah, I'm kind of leaning that way as well. Um, Lucius, he, <clears throat> that, like you said, that introduction, he represents, you know, the almost better than, well, he does better than Voldemort. He, he does this, the, the pure blood supremacy better than anyone in the entire thing in the movies. He represents this kind of disdain for anyone who isn't just full on magic, you know, isn't full on wizard or witches. I mean, he, he's like a, he's like a Nazi type character. He's like a fucking just evil son of a bitch who has his moments of, of winning, you know, towards the beginning of the series. And then as it goes on, he's just fucking raw. Like I'm telling, you know, his hair starts getting all messed up and he's, his eyes, it's like he hasn't slept in years, you know, um, and Jason Isaacs the whole time is just fucking outstanding, you know, uh, so I, I'm with you. I think he takes the 10th spot. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Now, I don't necessarily have him on my on my list, but I think we do need to talk about him and see if something sparks Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh, you know, you know, uh, yeah, I, I love him. I don't think he makes the cut, but Jesus Christ, what a great, like one movie performance from, from a guy who had, he's like the British, like, Oh, I have to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm like one of the biggest British, you know, movie, movie writer, director, actors. I gotta be here. I'm Kenneth, I'm Kenneth motherfucking Brannock. So he's the 21st century Olivier and he, He's like, yeah, I'll play a bumbling fool wizard for one movie. Why not? Yeah, he's he's wonderful in Chamber of Secrets. Gives it, gives it this really interesting kind of kind of side side path. I love when he's in the chamber. He's down in there with them, you know, and has just lost his mind. So, yeah, I, I think I think he's great, um, but doesn't quite you know have that same impact as as some of these others. Yeah. I, that's a that's a great call. Great call, Gil- Gilderoy Lockhart. I love when he's. Like when Ginny's been taken into the chamber and they're all surrounding the, the 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 like message, and he just walks over like, "So sorry, dozed off. What have I missed?" Yeah, <laughs> so chipper, like not even aware that anything's bad, anything bad is happening yeah. at all. Nobody bothered to call him because they know he's useless. <laughs> yeah, he's just a fucking idiot. Yeah, I, I yeah I love that, and I love I love how Snake looks at him like this motherfucker. <laughs> he's he's got the job I want. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, yeah, your, that's, your that's, moment that's, that's has come call. at last. My, my moment, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, so good. Okay, um, man, so shit, this is tough. Um, I've also I have a uh, Cornelius Fudge. I love but, Cornelius Fudge, but fuck, I love that Robert Hardy stayed consistent. That he was in you know all these movies. At first, he's just kind of warm, you know, kind of. He's a politician, so you don't really know if you're supposed to like him, but he seems friendly towards Harry. And then by part five, he's gone full fucking dictator. <laughs> it's like, yeah. where did this come from? It, I, I love it, but I don't think he needs to be on the on the on the in the Hall of Fame. But worth mentioning. And then I had Dobby. I think Dobby has has a shot here. I think mm-hmm. Dobby 
Dobby, you know, I think I think every one of our characters is going to be is going to be play uh, human, going to be you know a, yeah. a person. You know, that's fair. Dobby is like the only creature that I that I wrote down, um, and he, God, he's so essential. <laughs> he's so <laughs> fucking essential to 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 what to what happens as the series goes along, and his death is one of the most you know is one of the most ballsy and kind of heart heartwarming deaths i've ever seen and when he's when he finally dies you know in harry's arms and he's like it's it feels good to be with friends you know be with my friend harry potter you know and you're like oh jesus christ you know i think dobby's a good i think he's a maybe i think he might make it okay i i agree with you you talked me into it um I had Aragog written down too, just because he's a big ass spider, and I fucking Fuck love yeah. Julian Glover. So, like, shit, that scene freaks <laughs> me out every time. That's such a good scene. Yeah, it, it. Chamber of Secrets has a few moments where you're like, "Good God, this is not for kids." <laughs> yeah, huge ass spider just being like, "Hey, uh, sorry, you know, I know you're friends of of basically my father, but we're hungry." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my 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 daughter, she's three, and she watched the whole first movie with me and was like pretty engaged and was like, Oh, you know, when it got to the end and there's fire everywhere and Harry's like, ah, oh, she was kind of like, Oh no. You know, like had the, that emotion of like something bad's happening. But in the second movie, she was like, I'm out. This is what the f- giant snakes, giant spiders. I'm good. This is, this is too much. So she lost interest. And I was like, well, if she doesn't like that one, she's not going to like Azkaban or she's, Goblet or she's too young. She's too young. Give it a, get a few more years and try yeah, again. I, my mistake, you know, uh, one of, one of our good friends, um, uh, mine and Brianna's friends, uh, Leslie, her son is three as well. And he eats these movies up <laughs> and he, uh, I was over at their house, uh, the other day watching Goblet of Fire and he came in the room and he immediately went Harry Potter. You know, he like knew right away what it was. And I was like, damn, that's cool. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Really cool. He's really into, to, to those, those kind of films, you know, these fantasy adventure type movies so it can happen but yeah my, my daughter probably needs needs a few years to to enjoy them my younger cousins i have tried so many times my my cousin brenna got really into harry potter but she's kind of lost steam with it and then my other cousins uh ryan miles and scarlet i bought my cousin scarlet the books for uh for christmas because she's reading the books now she's really into them so she'll get there ryan and miles could care less and on like Miles, I, I tried with Harry Potter. I tried with Star Wars. I tried like Batman. Nothing was taken. He is super into Quentin Tarantino now. <laughs> he doesn't care about franchises, but he likes movies. So everybody's got their 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 thing. I can I can I can relate to that. I uh, I was like that. I was like that for sure. Um, as a kid, I I was never. The only one I was attached to is Lord of the Rings. I've always been attached to those, but Harry Potter, Star Wars, you know, superhero movies. As a kid, I just didn't really care. Uh, I, I found those, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, those 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 filmmakers, those writers slash directors were like, these are my people. This is what I this is what I like. So it's nice. it just depends when you find it when it connects with you. You know, sometimes a yeah. uh, sometimes you have to kind of meet it halfway. You have to be willing to willing to meet it halfway sometimes it just doesn't work out you know like star wars has just never worked out for me i've just never been that into it and i, I don't know if it'll ever happen maybe it will I, i'm open to it but I, it's never happened 
of my biggest fears legitimately is that like one day I will have kids and they're going to be like super into like football and I'm not oh, going to be able to relate. I'm going to be like trying to show the movies and they're like, eh, another thing. They'll watch a game. They'll be like, this is all I want to do. And I'll be like, no, <laughs> no. Uh. <laughs> Either I have to get into football or I can't relate to my kids, which I will not let that happen. <laughs> That's so great. I think that's a, I think that's a deep fear of a lot of people. Not so much something that specific, but just <laughs> what if they're into, what if they're into something I know nothing about? Yeah. Uh, I, I want that to happen because then I, I'm hoping it just un, unveils this whole new world, you know, where, you know, same, say my daughter gets into ballet. I'm like, I don't know anything about ballet. Let's fucking learn about it. You know, let's find, let's find out what the, who's the best dancer of all time. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's how my mind's always worked is like bring bring it on you know i'm open to yeah. i'm open now as an adult to learning stuff which is why i've i've accepted harry potter now i'm i'm pretty into the mcu now and i'm pretty into what they're doing because of how good the films have been the past few years yeah. uh so yeah it, it, it can happen you know i think people just don't lose that hope don't lose that childlike imagination where things things latch on good to know i'm getting closer and closer to finally getting you on the star wars train <sighs> i'm gonna we'll see i'm gonna try one day i'm gonna we're gonna have free time i'm gonna come over and we're gonna <laughs> at least watch episode four <laughs> okay i mean you know i i recognize god this is for a whole other episode I but i reckon i recognize the greatness from those those first three right mm-hmm. uh you know it's 1977 they changed the game the 80s become this wacky wild decade of wild genre movies specifically sci-fi because of star wars and i love it for that but it's never been this thing that i'm like amped to talk about what actually happens in the films i'm more of like a what was the what were the repercussions what was the inspiration from it uh i've never never been able to just fall in love with you know luke or princess leia or, or han solo i've never fallen in love with those characters Maybe one day it will happen, man. But you might be the one to, to spark that. You never know. Uh, I have I've seen them all. I just don't, you know, just don't connect. And it doesn't help that the recent ones haven't been my cup of tea at all. Uh, yeah. So you know that shit happens. Um, no. All right, back to Harry. <laughs> yeah, ask a band. Serious Black. I, yeah, shoeing, fucking shoeing. Absolutely. Gary Oldman took this role for two reasons. He needed he needed the cash, and his kids insisted. Mm. But as I, I think I texted you, like, I don't think this guy knows how to phone it in. He delivers no, every single time. It's not in his nature. Yeah. No. And he brought such pain and rage to Sirius Black. But then this heartfelt, like, uncle thing that he got to have with Harry. But you just, you can feel that this man has been, you know, his life was taken from him. And he resents, like, he hates Voldemort more than anybody. Except, you know, maybe Harry, of course. But... You know, I wish we'd gotten to see more of that, but just cutting it, you know, cutting him out in five with a sudden death was an inter- was probably the way to go. It was, it was just, it need, you know, Harry needed that extra push of pain. Yeah, no, I, I, I think if this, this series, this franchise could do something more to make it more impactful, it's, it's death, you know, it's, you know, of course we know about Harry's parents dying, but we don't really get to, connect with them as characters mm-hmm. but serious serious dying 
or or Lupin dying at the end, you know, those that that shit like really matters because you've grown to know them, you've grown to respect them, and you you love those characters. So when they when they're gone, and you know, Harry's screaming, you know, in pain, and he chases after Bellatrix, you you you're with him, you're totally yeah. with him. I think that I think having him for basically a three movie run is one of the smartest things of the whole of the whole franchise, whole series is having serious heavily involved in Azkaban. You know, we know a lot of him in Goblet of Fire. You know, we're, he's very much in kind of our headspace. And then he shows up big time in Order of the Phoenix and, and his death is brutal, you know? And that's such an amazing scene. And Gary Oldman, Christ almighty, this guy, he does this, you know, Order of the Phoenix of 2007, fucking Dark Knights 2008. I, I think he made his money, yeah. Yeah, he, he's he's doing fine. Yeah, he's okay now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and now you know now he's an Oscar winner. Um, okay, he puts together, yeah, he puts together a, a wonderful you know 2010s where he he had Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Darkest Hour, and Mank. You know, three Oscar nominations for Best Actor. So he he's a he's a fucking treasure at this point. Oh yeah, uh, I think from there we go to Lupin. Straight up, David Clueless. Yeah, how can we not have? We can't have serious without Ramus, Harry's greatest teacher. Uh, yeah, the 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 chemistry between Daniel Radcliffe and David Thewlis in Azkaban is brilliant. It's a perfect mentor mentee relationship, and Harry learns more about being a wizard from Lupin than he does from anybody. Uh, it's great, and you know the big reveal. He's a fucking werewolf. Fuck oh. yeah! <laughs> oh my god, one of the creepiest, so most like sickening werewolf designs in movie history this is like emaciated corpse with a like with wolf features it's great oh my god and Sirius trying to be like you know the man isn't here the, like listen to the man like while he's transforming god damn brilliant 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 touch yeah this is one of the many reasons that ask man's my favorite movie it's just got so many golden moments of like, what yes. the fuck? This is like a really good film. <laughs> and and I, and the book is awesome. You know, when it goes even deeper into, you know, the Marauders map and, and that, that connection of those guys as friends, you're like, yeah. oh my God, I, I, need, I need a movie of just that, of just them in high school as buddies. Like those guys are my favorite characters in all of the series. You know, it's weird if you think about it. I mean, Fred and George had the Marauders map during the events of Sorcerer's Stone. So they saw Coral and Voldemort on the same area and like said nothing. <laughs> yeah, friend, friend George dropped the ball there. Yeah, <laughs> I think about that. Like the Marauders map opens so many plot holes in the first couple movies. It, it does. It does. There, there are those things in this in this world where it's like, wait a minute. You know, the effect of the Polyjuice potion is like, hold on, what? How come it affects different people differently? And I don't know. My biggest one is if the Reparo spell exists, why does Hogwarts have a janitor? Filch has no function at this school, but to make sure kids aren't wandering around at night. That's all he does. He's not fixing anything. He's not cleaning anything. <laughs> he just is like this creep, this creepy motherfucker who, yeah, it, really the most work he ever gets is when he's just hanging up Dolores Umbridge's fucking rules over and over uh, in Order of the Phoenix. That's like the most work he gets. Well, it's just funny. Like, this guy has no powers. He's a dick to every student. Like, Dumbledore ha- makes some very odd staff choices. 
Like, why does he keep this dude around? I, I don't know. I don't there's know. No, Phil, there's nobody weird. else. Yeah, there's nobody else in the wizarding world that could take that, take that role. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I have Peter Pettigrew. Um, <sighs> Jesus, this one's tough. This one's tough. I love Pettigrew to death, but we only have four spots left. Mm. And we got to get, we got, we got to get serious. He's such a slimy, I mean, just, you know, the Gryffindor who betrayed his friends of the Dark Lord. What a bastard of a character, just a horrible human being. And then hiding out as Ron's pet rat for 12 years is crazy. Oh my God. That's uh, insanity. Yeah. So much so he, he's become like, like a rat. He just looks yeah. like a rat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But his, you know, his dedication to Voldemort is so pure. It's, it's weird. It's this, I, I want to know how that happened. Like how did not just like Voldemort didn't just convince this guy to betray his closest friends. He made him his fucking Renfield. Like how did that happen? I, I want that story. Yeah. Oh man. It opens up the floodgates, right. Of, of stuff we could just eat up as fans. Uh, God, Timothy Spall, man. He's perfect for this role. No, oh, he's There's such no- an underrated actor. No one has that like weird, weird frame, like the stature that he does, where he's kind of hunched over. Uh, his work in Goblet of Fire is tremendous. Uh, I, yeah, I, ah, this I, is tough. I saw him in Spencer. He has dropped so much weight. Like he looks almost emaciated now. And he played the like the royal family's head butler who was constantly telling Diana, like, you shouldn't stand like that you should stand like a proper lady if i may ma'am like just but uh <laughs> he was really good that's uh, awesome yeah I, I he's one of my favorite english character actors and i always look forward to seeing him in films hell yeah yeah good yeah i, I think he's a good call so do, do you want to pencil him in or do you want to i think we should throw him on the maybes because we've got five more <sighs> films to look at and there are some characters here that i would not forgive myself if they didn't make it in here okay Okay, so who who's next on that? Our bad guy, Lord Voldemort. Yeah, yes, it's <laughs> it's time. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, if there is a goat for this franchise, it's Ray Fiennes. Uh, yeah, I I think him and him and Alan Rickman are are the guys at the top. Just the commitment to pure evil that Ray Fiennes does. Just the way he moves, almost inhuman. The like the look in his eyes of absolute like just sadism it's so perfect he's the, just an excellent evil monster for harry to face and with every movie you see him you just he's he's somehow more frightening um and then at the end you know at the end when he's desperate when he's losing his horcruxes and he's realizing like they're taking like you know i'm i'm gonna die and he just has this desperation about him that makes him even scarier um yeah props to rafe 100 yeah i yeah you you said it you said it beautifully i think i think rafe is is the fucking man uh he's got he's got i believe he's got the schindler's list nomination he's got the english patient nomination grand budapest hotel anybody you know um in bruges best supporting actor harry waters anybody yeah come on now What's going on? You don't know nomination for an animated if Colin Farrell, if Colin Farrell would have been in these movies, that would have been spectacular. Uh, Because 
then we would have had Gleason, Farrell, and and and, and Rafe, which would have been so cool. The in Bruges connection. Um, but Vol- Voldemort is the man, and the reason we've waited till now to talk about him is because he finally comes to full form in Goblet of Fire at the end. One of the most crucial moments of 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 the series. The way he holds his wand, you know, is yeah, I, I do it all the time. You know, I'm just like, Ugh, you know, because <laughs> there's something about him where I'm not. When you when you when you start connecting with stuff when you're older, you tend to be more. Uh, you're not really rooting for something. You're just kind of watching the stuff unfold. And so when you're like a child, you're like, "Come on, Harry!" But I find myself sometimes like, "Fuck him up, Voldemort." <laughs> you know like jesus because <laughs> you're just like you're just like rafe rafe is bring, rafe is bringing the fucking pain you know and there's times where I, the way he laughs the maniacal laugh you know i'm just like this is great i love it it's like watching it's like watching the joker you know uh, at work and sometimes when when you're when you're older and you connect with stuff like like this this franchise type stuff like like i i love thanos you know i love yeah nasty bad guys who want to destroy everything in their path and lord voldemort is like at the top of that list so he's for for me if we were just doing this straight up off of sheer power i think harry ron or hermione are the first names i I would say just because they're 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 in the whole fucking thing i think lord voldemort is the next name you talk about i think voldemort he's the reason we're here (laughs) (laughs) he's he's that he's that motherfucker he's that dude he's the guy who split his soul up you know um he's got the craziest backstories you know he has this seven basically a 70 year run from i believe he is born in 1926 he dies in 1998 he has this this run of the most amazing things you can think of you know as as a as a fantasy writer so jk if I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't love JK Rowling, but what she did with Lord of Voldemort and the, and the, the implications, you know, and all those things, hats off. <laughs> it's just, this is a wonderful villain. Uh, someone I've, I've always been fascinated by. And the, 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 the more this stuff goes on, you know, as we get into Order of the Phoenix and Half Blood and Deathly Hallows, he gets better and better and scarier and scarier. Oh, yeah. I think my favorite thing about Voldemort is the brilliant buildup from the first movie. You're like, there was a dark wizard. He killed your parents. Somehow you defeated him, but we're pretty sure he's not dead. And then he shows up on the back of his teacher's head and he's like, you know, I'm going to come back. And then part two is like, you know, my, his teenage self ghost is like, I'm going to come back. Part three, the servants like, I'm going to bring him back. And then part four, he's back. It's so cool. You're like, you're kind of hoping like, Oh, please don't come back. But you're also like, I really want to see this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What does he look like? Yeah. In full yeah. form. Yeah. That, that patience, <clears throat> that patience is, it, it is the greatest feat of Harry Potter, you know, uh, to get into nearly halfway through what we're, what we're, what we're doing. And then he shows up, well, really over halfway through. And, and we finally see him in, in full form. Uh, just fucking again, just, just fucking lights up Robert Pattinson. Uh, well, Pettigrew. Well, Pet- Pettigrew does. Uh, you know, he's the one who orders it, and then he, you know, he's like a fetus, and he just drops in. You're like, Ugh, where am I? Yeah, yeah. it's so good. Vol- Voldemort is 
absolutely has to be here. He's like you said, I think, I think Rafe is probably probably the, the guy he's probably the best performer throughout this whole, this whole franchise. Uh, him, him and Alan Rickman, I think really are, are the guys going toe to toe. You know, when you look at it, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, and Emma Watson got the greatest acting class ever for these 10 years of films, working yep. with the greatest actors England has to offer and just learning from these masters. Unbelievable. Yeah, truly for a decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, speaking of masters, Alistair Moody. I, I, he's one of my guys. I, I would love to have him on here. Brendan Gleeson's performance in Goblet of Fire specifically, because he's playing Barty Crouch Jr. playing Mad-Eye Moody, which mm-hmm. is fucking beautiful performance. And it stands out. You can see the differences between his performance in that and his performance in Order of the Phoenix. It's like, this is not the same man. It's so, so good. Gleeson does not get enough credit for his skills. And I love him as Moody slash Crouch. Yeah. I, John, I love Mad Eye. Uh, from the moment I see him, you know, clearly, clearly drinking poly juice, you know, he's, you're like, you're like I, I obviously see what's going on here. You know, that's, that's kind of the, what's always in the back of your head while watching Gobble to Fire. It's such an incredible kind of plot device. Uh, Gleason, Gleason's the fucking man, you know, and he he dies, you know, at the end. Yeah. Toward, towards the end. Of, Off of, screen, of the, too, which sucks. Yeah. Which is kind of kind of a ballsy move to show show kind of this this uh death to, to show death in a way where it's like we have to move on. You can't just dwell on it like we have in the past. We have to keep moving forward. We are going to lose bodies in this in this battle. It's you a have war. to keep moving forward. Yeah. It's war is out. out. We don't oh, have time man. to grieve. You know, we lose friends, we lose family, but we got to keep pushing forward or he's going to win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We can't, we can't be weak. Yeah. So, um, so <laughs> crazy. But Moody's introduction sells it for me when he's having his first class and he's like, I'm here because Dumbledore asked me to end of story. Goodbye. The end. Any questions? Yeah, <laughs> he's so aggressive. Like everyone's scared of him. Like he could pop at any moment. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I love how he fucks with Draco. You know, right away turns him into a rat. Yeah, it's yeah. just beautiful. Yeah, my father will hear about this. Is that a threat? <laughs> chasing him. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's 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 a wild card. You know, he's a wild card character that that just fucking worked. They just pulled it off in the books and the movies. You know, Gleason's the only guy who could do it. Yeah, straight up. Uh, so I had, you know, I had Cedric Diggory, Victor Crumb, Flor Delacour. I had Nagini, the, the snake. But let's get real here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're in, we're in the, uh, how many, how many we got left? Two. Ooh. Okay. Well, in that case, oh, shit. I'm looking, I got three from order of the phoenix that i was sure we're gonna be on this all right okay first up we've got dolores umbridge man i talk about just hating a character yeah oh my god pure pure evil like a weirder more specific darker evil than even Voldemort. it's it's this you know evil disguised as prim and proper nicety you know this law and order 
it's just this like lawful evil thing. Mm-hmm. And she's just, you know, torturing children and creating fake news. And just, it's so, it's, it's too real. You know, Voldemort's the climate change of the, wind, of the wizarding world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> but Imelda Staunton sells it. Like, I'm sure she gets hate mail from people who are like, you're a monster. <laughs> I just, I feel bad for her, but well done. Uh, so I, I don't know. Like, I fucking hate her, but it's such a great character. It, it, it is a great character. And it is, you know, we're so used to, you know, fucking wands going off and people doing magic. She is someone we we hate in the movies, and she's a, she represents the type of person we hate in real life. Yeah, it's Wizard it's, Karen. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that voice, a little oh, <laughs> that voice, like little yeah. little little laugh. Yeah, fuck that laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I cheer almost every time in Deathly Hallows Part One when Harry's like, you know, I'm, you're lying, Dolores, and I mu- and one mustn't tell lies, and just yeah. zaps her. Oh. So good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's tough. She's tough. I think, yeah, I have her down as well. Mm. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm kind of looking at my list. I'm like, uh oh, there's, yeah. there's people here that I, I, I think, I think deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Next, I've got Luna Lovegood. I, I have her next as well. Ah, God, she's essential. And the stuff with her dad. Yikes. Holy shit. You know, uh, some brutal stuff and, and Luna is ah uh, man you know it feels like you can make a movie based around her you know it feels like you could do a story like Harry Potter around Luna she has she has a grace about her that is is kind of infectious and so sweet and tender but she's a she's powerful she's so powerful under all of that under all of that you know that really kind of like peaceful type type of type of vibe. She's she's got some fucking knowledge and some talent to go with it. So I, Luna's she might take one of these last two spots. I don't know. She's just such a pure soul and exactly the kind of friend Harry needed at the time. You know, somebody who, who understood the death of a of family, someone who who didn't let it destroy them the way Harry's kind of letting this destroy him. Mm. And I think he uses her as a way to kind of bring himself back from the brink. She's, she's perfect. She's like living therapy. Yeah. I totally, totally, totally agree with you, man. So let's go ahead and say the rest of the people we talk about are quote unquote maybes. And then we'll okay. just kind of pick two out of that, depending on, on how we feel. All right. Sounds good. Cause next up is Bellatrix Lestrange. I, yeah. She's, <laughs> Oh, Bellatrix is pure evil. She's one of the most ballsy characters in the in the whole thing, and she will kill. She kills. Yeah, she does not. She doesn't care. She's not like I'm going to sit here and point my wand at you uh, for for ten minutes while I talk about how I'm going to kill you. She just kills. Yeah, and, she's the one who tortured Neville's parents into insanity. Yes, uh, and gloats about it. It's, yeah, even Lucius is like, all right, back, all right, back off. Like, let's calm down. And when she, when she sees Neville, she's just like, ha, gotcha, bitch. You're like, what? Like, you're insane. And, and, she, and she kills some big time motherfuckers, you know? she's She kills Sirius. She angers Harry more than we see, you know, in the whole damn thing. You know, when Sirius dies, the anguish, you know? Uh, 
that she puts him through and she just disappears, you know, like a coward. Um, Cause she knows Voldemort's the one who wants to kill him. Um, Cause I, I personally have always thought that if it weren't for Voldemort and his, you know, his, his desire and his need to kill Harry, Bellatrix would have given it a few fucking goes, you know, if, if it was up to her, she would have been like, sure, I'll just throw everything I can at him until something happens. Yeah. She even says like, you know, when, when Voldemort's laying out his plan in Deathly Hallows part one, she's like, Hey, I'll kill him. Like, let me do it. Let me get him. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll make you proud. And he's I'd like, love no, to no, kill no. the boy. Yeah. Yeah. Mine. He's mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. He, that's a great line. He's like, I admire your passion for blood. <laughs> he's like, but Harry, Harry's mine, you know? And she's just like, Oh, <laughs> she's like a disappointed dog. Like that has to just destroy real quick. That breathy half dead voice of Voldemort's like Jesus Christ. It, bone chilling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry. Like, yeah. It's, Jesus. It's like, he's about to it's, have a heart attack. It's like SpongeBob uh, when he's like, water. I need water. <laughs> That's Voldemort. Yeah. That's where they got the inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Did you ever read uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? The uh, the eighth. Yeah, book? I read that like the day it came out. I was living in yeah. St. Louis, Missouri, and I, I went and bought it at Barnes and Noble because at that point I was I had become a big fan of everything. And yeah, I dug it. I, I haven't read it since, but I dug it. Well, I just find it interesting that in that we meet Voldemort and Bellatrix's kid. Like Yikes. they they boned. That's canon. Yeah, I yeah I, I know, and and I don't, you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. It's just some evil shit going on. Yeah, um, you know what? All right, the rest of all right from just shout outs. I've got Narcissa Malfoy, Cormac McClagan because he's a Gryffindor who's an asshole, and it just makes me wonder like, how are you here? And uh, yeah. yeah, Slughorn of course. Uh, funnily enough, did you know the kid who played Cormac is now uh, Vigilante on the Peacemaker show? Oh, okay. I like yeah. that. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. What? A, I, crazy. Um, Death of Hell is part one. I have Xenophilius Lovegood. But okay, <sighs> I don't really care for the character that much. I think he's a two-faced bastard. But I get why he did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, kids, you know, your family will drive you drive you mad. Um, I don't like the name either. I think Xenophilius is a little much. It, it is. Some some of the names here are like, okay, we get it, you know. Yeah. Okay, JK. <laughs> and then Deathly House Part 2, I have um, Helena Ravenclaw, the Grey Lady, and Grip Hook the Goblin. Okay. Great. So. Okay. I say... Looks great. Um, just because I think it would be nice to fuck her over one more time. Let's cut Umbridge out and give it to Luna and Bellatrix. That's kind of where my mind was going. I think okay. it's I, I think it's it's hard to leave out Draco and Neville. Yeah. But I, I think stronger characters are, are Luna and Bellatrix. And and it's hard to leave out Dobby. It's hard to leave out leave out Dolores, Friend George, Peter Pettigrew. I mean, we could go on for, you know, we could do 40 characters in this thing, but it's, it, it needs exclusivity. So yes, I think, I think I'm with you. I think Bellatrix hundred percent, just Helena Bonham Carter belongs in these kind of, in these kind of things, in these kind of worlds. And, uh, and Luna is unlike anyone we've talked about. So 
Yeah, I'm good with those being the last two. You know, it's pretty nuts that Helena Bonham Carter wasn't even supposed to play Bellatrix. Like, that was a last-minute decision. I read about that, which is, like, how is she not one of the first names you thought about? Yeah. Well, it was Helen McCrory. She was going to be Bellatrix, but she got pregnant and had to bail out, and she called her friend Helena Bonham Carter. was like, hey, can you take this role for me? And then... I can't believe, like, holy shit. I can't imagine anybody else playing Bellatrix. She's so committed mm. to the performance. <laughs> Neither can I. This is, she's like born for shit like this. Uh, it's one of my favorite things she's ever done. It might be my favorite thing she's ever done. You know, that, that doesn't happen a lot, but you know, sometimes a, an actor will have kind of like a standalone type film. Like, like yeah. she's amazing in Fight Club, right? She's amazing in Sweeney Todd. But there's something about Bellatrix that, it's just like it's just tailor made for her, and I love that about it. I, I love her, but to me, it is it's Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd. I, I that's uh, the character that wins for uh, me. I can't I can't argue that. I fucking love that movie. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm here for that one as well. Uh, you know, quick a customer. <laughs> uh, she's she's amazing. I, I can't wait to do Sweeney Todd on the show one day. Um, all right, so I'm gonna go ahead and. Fill these in all. Uh, we, we, got, we, got, or we got our 16. So I'm going to recap them real quick. We have Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, Hermione Granger, Albus Dumbledore, Severus Snape, Rubius Haggard, Minerva McGonagall, Arthur Weasley, Molly Weasley, Lucius Malfoy, Sirius Black, Remus Lupin, Lord Voldemort, so crazy that he's the 13th name. Uh, Alistair Mad-Eye Moody, Luna Lovegood, and Bellatrix Lestrange. Whoa. That's, that's good. That's a good gaggle yeah. right there. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I love that group of people. <laughs> um, I, I think the toughest, yeah, just off of legacy, you know, Draco, obviously so, so crucial to, to, to what happens. And then Neville. Um, what a one awesome character and one awesome ride from just complete, you know, uh, outcast dork to fucking destroying a Horcrux. One of the most powerful Horcruxes in, in the whole thing. Uh, you know, Nagini, the, the, the snake. So such a beautiful moment. I love when he screams at them, you and who's on me. <laughs> and they're like, Oh shit. And then he's running and it's like, that went well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, 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 really cool ride for Neville, but I, I just, I, I don't think he quite, you know, makes the cut. You know, who, who does he knock out? Fucking Brennan Gleason? Come on. <laughs> that's that's what it comes down to for me. Like, who am I willing to cut out to put somebody in and I'm not willing to cut out anybody? Neither, neither am I. Um, so, yeah, we have one, two, three, four students. The three main ones in Luna Lovegood, and then the rest are fucking adults, and that's pretty amazing. This children's story about kids growing up and graduating high school, essentially, the ones that really stick out are these adults who are you know either evil or they're kind of authority characters or professors, leaders, people to look up to, father figures, mother figures, whatever however you want to phrase it. Uh, that's really special that that we kind of connect with them that way. True. I want to live in the wizarding world specifically because all you need to be a teacher is basically just like a high school equivalency. Cause that's, yeah, there's no yeah. wizard college. You just right out the gate. You're like, you can be a cop. You could be a teacher. And that's kind of it really. There's not really a lot of other jobs. 
Yeah. 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 You notice that uh, immediately, you know, you start kind of putting the math together of how old these people would be. And you're like, Oh, they like became a professor at Hogwarts at age 20. <laughs> yeah. I could be, you know, nearing retirement by now. Like, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Just a wise, clever wizard. Um, oh man, that was fun as hell. Uh, definitely, definitely have that written down. I have that in my, my notes. Now I have it in my computer. I want to keep that forever. That was a lot of fun. Uh, talking about these characters and what films they pop up and it's just, it's just a blast. So, Oh yeah. Hope you guys had fun with us on that one too, but you know, we're going to keep talking about Deathly Hallows part two. So let's keep this train rolling. Do you oh yeah. Anything else to say about the hall of fame before we move on? No, I think it's a good uh, gathering of characters that represent the franchise as a whole and really represents what we get out of this franchise more than anything else is performances and you know the legacy of these characters so regardless of whatever the fuck jk rowling says tomorrow we'll always still have this and nobody's mm. going to take that away yeah the the joy that we get from it yeah i, I i'm with you on that one man um th- these these characters are really why you 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 talk about and get lost in it the characters are so good the actors are so good um uh, yeah that was that was that was that was exactly how i wanted it to go uh Deathly Hall is part two. Nominated three times. We've covered this ceremony, the 84th Academy Awards, before. We've done Moneyball. We did Undefeated not that long ago. And I think that might be it from 2011. Um, pretty, I'm pretty sure. And we did Moneyball a long time ago. Uh, you mentioned Rango? Oh, yeah, Rango. There you go. Yeah, duh. There we go. Like favorite, my like favorite movie from that year. Um, yeah, Rango was yeah. There's I, I love 2011. There's some great fucking movies at this ceremony. Um, let's see, but with Deathly Hallows Part Two, you know we have some kind of technical categories. So we're going to talk about those, have some fun here for a little bit, and then give our own awards out, and get the hell out of here. Uh, we have Best Visual Effects nominated is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, Real Steel, <laughs> uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, hell yeah, Transformers: Dark of the Moon. <laughs> And the winner, Hugo. What a weird fucking group. <laughs> that is a strange bunch. Of, I forgot about Real Steel. Me too. And I, I'm okay with forgetting about it. Yeah. Robot, Robot Rocky. <laughs> uh, Transformers. I Look, all right. Visually, they're stunning. But to me, you need more, you need more than good looks to win gold. At, at my Oscars. So I don't think uh, I don't think these movies should be here. Transformers should never touch the Oscars. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I've always been in the boat that if if an aspect of the movie is good, that that's fine. But I still think the film needs to be good overall. I still yeah. think it needs to be like a, a winning film. It needs to be a, a film that will last long, a long time. I mean, there's there's probably movies out there that yeah, yeah sure, visually they're 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 incredible, but but do I want to go back? Do I want to rewatch it? Do I want to live in that world? Hell no. Here, you know, Hugo is pretty good. That's the one that wins. But to me, it's a toss up between Potter and Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I agree. I, I've seen Hugo visually. I don't think it's that incredible. I think it's a decent flick. I don't really get the hype. Uh, Apes, though, looks great. But oh, yeah. Dawn and War look better. Rise still looks a little shiny. Yes. 
Yes. So I give the win to Deathly Hallows. Yeah, I mean they had they had mastered what they're doing at this point. Voldemort looks perfect, you know. Uh, the 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 just the fucking colors coming out of the wands is spectacular. You know, there's that moment where you know they're putting all these spells out and, and, and over Hogwarts. You know, they're trying to trying to build a force field, and it looks unbelievable. You know, and this is 2011. This is 11 years ago. So. Oh. I, 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 I'd give the win slightly to, to Harry Potter. I've seen all these movies, yep. but I, I, yeah, I think, I think Potter's kind of hands down the winner. Yep. I agree. But it is nice knowing we could do real steel on this podcast if we wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There there's, there's like a list I have uh, somewhere. I think it's this notebook here that I have. Um, I have like the most, the movies that I come across, like Austin Powers was up for an Oscar. And you're like, I mean, that would be pretty funny. <laughs> to do one day i think real steel is in this i they're like they're like a category of the kind of shittiest movies that have ever been nominated for for something where it's like why the fuck was that there you know uh suicide squad is another one where it's like really yeah i <laughs> think uh, i think caleb's been lobbying for us to do jackass presents bad grandpa <laughs> it was up for that'd makeup be, that'd be great see yeah that's <laughs> definitely in that category i'll definitely write that one down i think i think there's there's a, there's always a, at every ceremony, there's something that's like, really, <laughs> like, really out of all the 2011 movies, this is, this is what we're going with. It's uh, awesome. Uh, let's move to best makeup next. Um, this is only three films, pretty, pretty boring fucking category. If you ask me, uh, you got Albert Nobbs, Harry Potter and the winner of the iron lady. Uh, okay. I guess. <laughs> whatever was the makeup to turn Meryl Streep into Margaret Thatcher really that revolutionary I mean I'm gonna say no yeah <laughs> whereas I'm gonna go ahead I'm gonna go ahead and say no on that one cotton <laughs> I mean just like Warwick Davis's makeup for grip hook alone is epic you know of course Ray Fine's makeup for Voldemort Haggard's the whole deal i yeah it blows my mind that there was never a win for the harry potter franchise ever sucks sucks yeah i can't believe that yeah Um, it's unfortunate especially here like the iron lady hugo talk about playing it fucking safe in 2011 (laughs) yeah there's i don't think there's a single surprise here yeah no no yeah while i love a lot of these movies i'm like hugo wins like nine awards or some bullshit i'm like okay it's a it's fine it's fine but you just knew you knew that you're not gonna really upset anybody you're just gonna you're gonna make people kind of scratch their heads that's it and that's 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 no fun that's no george George malay is a dick to a child and somehow discovers like rediscovers a love for film there's hugo two hours of your life you don't need it yeah god uh, yeah, not, not not really for me. Not a movie I really ever want to do on this this show because I, I I rather do something that's going to kind of split us apart in some way, or we're both just going to be like fuck yeah, you know that's just, that's that's kind of where it's the most fun with Hugo. We're both just kind of like bored, so no thanks. It does make me laugh how fucking hard it is to split us apart on a movie. <laughs> yeah, it happens like it's happened. You know, this is our ninety eighth episode. It's happened maybe four times, so maybe. <laughs> yeah. Even though I, the one that stands out is faces, 
and then after that, I, I don't really know where else we kind of just completely differed. Uh, yeah. We were both on board with Truffaut. Every documentary you've picked has been gold. Like it's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got, it's gone. Well, we're on the same uh, page pretty universally. Yeah. Uh, that's great. This next, this next category, we can actually talk a bit about these um, best art direction, the artist. That's the uh, best picture winner from this, this ceremony. Harry Potter midnight in Paris, which I really like. I think that's a, I think that's a clever film. Really good. And looks beautiful. Uh, War Horse, decent flick and the winner Hugo. So, Obviously, Hugo's not our, not our bag, but these other four, I think we've both seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have seen all those films. Okay. So what, what do you think about art direction? Obviously, Potter, is, it's always been just like, wow, look at the fucking set. Uh, but, you know, I think Midnight in Paris is doing something that is just so fucking committed and so cool and so nerdy. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I really respect that. I'm not a big Woody Allen guy, but damn, I like that movie. It's just it's a it's an endearing film, especially if you're a you know a a creative mind. If you love reading and writing, and you you imagine like, what if I could go back and you know shake Stephen King's hand right as he's publishing Carrie? Like, yeah, yeah. what if I could do that? And this guy's like, I want to have champagne with Ernest Hemingway. I want to I want to draw a rhinoceros with Salvador Dali. <laughs> it's it's yeah. a wild, movie. yeah. But uh, it does you know he. he it does a great job capturing the look of 1920s Paris. It's, it's really beautiful and committed. Uh, so I, I could, I could, I could back that horse. Um, the artist, uh, you know, again, a very specific look, you know, early 1900s Hollywood. Well done. Uh, admittedly, mm-hmm. it's been a minute since I watched the artist. Um, and then war horse is the, the fields of world war one, the battlefields, uh, not bad. And then Harry Potter is, you know, Hogwarts and Gringotts and these now iconic locales that were realized. Mm. I, I got to give this one to Harry Potter as well. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I have, I have nothing. Yeah, I think it's between that and Midnight in Paris. And I would probably go with Potter as well, especially because of the, it's not just Deathly Hall's part two. It's the whole all eight films, what they did with the art direction specifically with production design. Uh, it just, they always, even if you, you're, it's if wizard stuff and, and Hogwarts and all that's not really your back. That's fine. I understand. It's okay. But how can you not be impressed by the way these look and how fun each little scene and setting is, you know, and just how rich the colors are uh, or sometimes how dark the are and i love that about about this this series and this franchise so yeah i'm i'm with you man i think i think this this you know these potter films you know there a lot of them are nominated i think it's just chamber of secrets and order of the phoenix that don't get any nominations nope but you would you would love to see at least one win and it would be cool if it would have been the last one for our direction where it's like that's where they specialize um but man I i I mean, technically, you know, Fantastic Beast has a win for costume design, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. We just like it, that's like that's like our Voldemort. Like, no, we don't speak that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the movies that must not be named. Uh, <laughs> I, I I do I, I do I. This might be you know to some might be silly, but but give me give me a best supporting nod for for Rafe uh, as Voldemort in, at this ceremony, please. 
If Alec Guinness can get a nomination for playing Obi-Wan Kenobi, I don't think it's silly. There's precedent. And, and, and here's, here's the group. It's a good group. Christopher Plummer is the one who won. Rest in peace. Beginners. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Branagh. Hell yeah. My, with, my week with Marilyn. Jonah Hill for Moneyball. All right. Nick Nolte and Warrior. Okay. All right. And Max Moncito for uh, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. It's a good group. But man, Rafe, he's, he's right there with all of them. Absolutely. I have not seen Beginners, but I've seen the other four films. Uh, I think you could cut Max Moncito. I think he's a great actor, but I think you could cut cut him from that one. Give give Ray Fines a nomination. I'm not saying he has to win. It's nice to see Plummer collect one, but yeah, Plummer's, Plummer's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I think uh, you know. Yeah, I I look at these acting categories and I'm like, yeah, there's some there's some powerful names here, but it doesn't totally mean that they're powerful performances. Um, I I do I, I love this ceremony. Girl with Dragon Tattoo, Moneyball, Tinker, The Descendants, fuck yeah. Uh, you know, Midnight in Paris, Tree of Life. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, grumble, uh, grumble. A, separ- uh, a separation, <laughs> the, the foreign language film winner is amazing. Rango. I love I love A Cat in Paris. I love Chico and Rita. Uh, Undefeated is fucking awesome. Paradise Lost. Like, this is a great ceremony. I agree. I agree. Uh, I just think, you know, franchises and the Oscars have never meshed all that well. They throw some no. technical awards at them. You know, Lucas got some big, you know, some nomi- a nomination for director from Star Wars because that was a revolutionary film. But, you know, you don't see that Marvel getting that kind of love outside of Black Panther. You don't see, you know, Star Trek ever getting any of that. You, like, it's, it's rare and Potter's no exception. Uh, and I would argue, you know, these films have emotional stakes. They have, you know, they elicit feelings like they're powerful movies. Mm. And I just I don't like that bias is still happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Has forever. Uh, I think we've seen slight changes, but never nothing, nothing ever drastic. You know, like Black, Black Panther being up for Best Picture. That's great. But what about all these other movies that are probably better than it in the same kind of genre? So it's just just frustrating, you know. I mean, in the same year, Infinity War came out. So like, hmm. Infinity War is clearly the better movie than Black Panther, but you guys just don't don't really care. Uh, you just kind of you kind of just go with go with go with what you feel, and that's 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 bullshit. Yeah. You gotta you gotta really think about this stuff. They watched ten minutes of Infinity War, threw the movie a Best Visual Effects nomination like it's a fucking dog biscuit. Yeah, horse shit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know that's why we do these. That's why we do them. That's why we do these. So it's on, on movies like this, you know, whether it be a small indie film or something with major IP like Harry Potter, they, they both they they deserve the time. And uh, always, our favorite part of the episode is is giving out our awards to a specific film. So that's what we're going to do now. Uh, for Deathly Hollows Part Two, we have the Quentin Tarantino Award for Best Quote. We have the Ennio Morricone Award for Best Music Moment. We have the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for the best performance of the movie. And I have something to say about Philip Seymour Hoffman in a second. Uh, then we have the Roger Deakins Award for best scene of the movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman is probably the only American motherfucker who could be in these movies. And we'd be like, it's fine. It's fine. Don't matter. Doesn't matter. It's totally, totally cool. <laughs> who would he play? Oof. 
Um, you know, I hate to like replace somebody, but I, I do think he'd probably have to be a professor of some sort, someone who, who understands, you know, kind of all the sides, a, a Remus type or a, or a mad eye, you know, someone like that. I mean, stop just thinking about him as mad eye moody makes me fucking lose my mind or he'd be great as a Lucius. Uh, he'd be great as a, as a dark motherfucker who just can turn on, you know, on a dime. It'd also be cool to have an American if he just kept his accent, he kept his, his American accent and was this guy who traveled from across the pond who was like, no, there's, there's more going out there than you fucking know. You know, he, he, I think PSH is someone who could fit in is my main point. I've always thought that. Just look at him, you know, when he wears like in Capote or Doubt when he has like all black on, you're like, yeah, that guy could be a wizard. Yeah. I think if he, he puts on a bit of that Lancaster Dodd charm and has a bit of that accent, a bit of that like Northeastern, you know, educated man vibe, throw that onto a Hogwarts professor. I don't think anyone would bat it an eye. No, no. Yeah. If he, yeah. The, the way he's talking in the master. Yeah. Is like, like Dodd, like you said, you know, is we fought the day and we won, you know, like, yeah, you, you can't go wrong. I've always thought that I've, I, I stand behind JK and, and, and Warner brothers wanting to have all British actors. I, I, I like that. I think that's cool. I think that's neat. Man. If there is a guy who could get into that group, it's motherfucking PSH. <laughs> that uh, dude could act circles around fucking anybody. I would, he could have been in anything. He could have done anything. And I don't, you know, I, I like to think he knew that, but I think he was, he was too humble to think that. Yeah. He was too, he was, he was humble and, and too hungry, like of a, of a performer to be like, no, like I, I can do better. So I'll just keep, keep going. Uh, very, very much like Gary Oldman. He just has that, that like, I, I know, I, I know I'm awesome, but I'm not gonna, fucking, I'm not gonna fucking act like it. I'm, I'm just going to keep pushing, keep pushing and keep playing more and more characters whether it be five minutes or the whole film. Yeah. Those are our guys. All right. Your Tarantino. What do you got? I have two lines. Uh, my first comes from Snape. It's his last words. Uh, as he's, you know, dying from a lot of really rough snake bites and a slit throat looks like um, he turns to Harry and he says, you have your mother's eyes. And right there in the moment, you're like, oh, boy, we didn't we don't know the whole story. Like if you if you hadn't read the books and you're just like experiencing this for the first time, you're thinking that's that's weird. That's that seemed awfully heartfelt. Like, I don't know if this guy's really a bad guy. And uh, it's just so touching and such a beautiful scene. Uh, Yeah, always kind of makes me tear up a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I I understand that. God damn, Snape. Why do you have to do this like that? <laughs> oh, my God. The weird thing is, like, Voldemort only killed Snape because he thought the wand would answer to him now. But then he doesn't even kill Snape. He makes his snake do it. So, like, mm. if you played yourself, as DJ Khaled would say. Yeah. <laughs> like, now there's, like, if that was the way you fucked up the lineage, now nobody gets the wand. <laughs> Anyway, um, that always bugged me. <laughs> um, and my other line comes from Harry, 
And it's such a badass line. It's right after he comes back to life and Voldemort's like, ah, just like super pissed. And all the Death Eaters are leaving. And Voldemort just starts like beating Harry down with his bare hands, which I love. He just hates yeah. him so much. And Harry grabs him by the neck and says, come on, Tom, let's finish this the way we started it together and leaps off the fucking tower. Damn it. That was mine. Because <laughs> he calls him Tom the way Albus Dumbledore calls him Tom. You know, it's like Harry becomes a fucking man right there. <laughs> oh, that's such a good line. Oh, my. Uh, and that that's that's some cool shit because they're like fucking falling and their faces kind of fucking become the same. You know, and you're like, oh, this is weird. Good visual effects right there. Yeah, right there. But I, I just love that, you know. Harry grabs him and is like, we're going down together, motherfucker. Like, this is yeah, <laughs> ride or die. <laughs> yeah, off the yeah. fucking tower. <laughs> and Voldemort's looking in his face. He's like, I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely my number one kind of kind of, you know, just straight up quote from, from, from this movie. Uh, but there's there's so many, you know. Uh, I'm 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 on IMDb scrolling through, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like every single one is so fucking awesome. You know? <laughs> my favorites is um with Aberforth. Uh, shout out to Kieran Hines, who I'm always mm. reliable. Um, yes, starts giving Harry shit about like, you know, do you even know Dumbledore? Like, who would embark on a quest for finding Horcruxes without knowing where to start? He used you, and Harry's like. I don't give, I don't care what happened between you and your brother. I trusted the man I knew. Like, oh, mm. dude. God, these movies mean so much to me. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful stuff. I love that. I, I love thinking about Dumbledore, his brother. You're like, oh, shit. This, there's always doors that are opening, you know, in, in this world that are like, oh, I want to know more. Uh, one, one, of my, one of my favorite dark ones from Voldemort, because he has some stuff, you know, like, from this day forth, put your faith in me. <laughs> so badass. I love when um, uh, his voice is going through the school and he's like, <laughs> I know that many of you want to fight. Some of you may even think that to fight is wise, but this is folly. Give me Harry Potter. <laughs> Do this and none shall be harmed. Give me Harry Potter and I shall leave Hogwarts untouched. Give me Harry Potter. You'll be reward- rewarded. You have one hour. <laughs> I, if I were a student there, I'd be like, fucking say less. <laughs> this is your first year. And you're like, I was on my way to charms class. What is happening okay. right now? Here's me, me and my friend. We, we wrote these, a bunch of ideas. Down. I lost the notebook, but I, I would, I think I could do it all from memory because we had this idea of uh, almost like a spinoff of, of Hog- obviously you can't actually make it because you need, you need the rights, but it was just fun to fuck around doing a spinoff uh, around because you know like in those dorms it seems like there's like four kids in, in like one of those dorms what if it was four normal fuckers who are just like god that hairy guy's a bitch you know like he he gets everything <laughs> that's a great idea <laughs> like where where are the kids who are like smoking weed where are the kids who are like man i can't fucking ride my broomstick this sucks like i'm not good at quidditch i i'm just a kid who's like making b's and c's you know like just some kid who's just there who doesn't become this chosen one or isn't the chosen one's best friend. You're just a student who probably doesn't have a future in wizarding. You're just there. Like where, where's the story about those guys? 
the fucking Van Wilder of Hogwarts. I would watch that. That's awesome. I would I would love that if they were just like in Hufflepuff. They're like, no one ever fucking talks about Hufflepuff, man. Like we suck. Uh, I would love that. Like, do you know, like every time like a major event happens in Hogwarts, it's like, what is it from their perspective? Like they're just eating and all of a sudden troll in the dungeon, and they're like, Yeah, oh Jesus Christ, here we go. It's got gotta be that hairy fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm so curious. I saw a meme that said, like, I wonder what is happening at Hogwarts right now. And somebody posted probably education since Harry doesn't go there anymore. Yeah, they're probably getting stuff done. Yeah, because Harry never could sit in class for more than two seconds without something crazy happening. Uh, yeah, I've, I've always always thought that. Like, that would be really cool if there was a, a even a standalone movie about four guys who were, you know, sixth or seventh year uh, students at Hogwarts while Harry's like in his second or third year. And it's like, they're just there. They're just, they just go to school, you know, and they're not like, they're, they're, they're not anything special, you know, like at the end of chamber of secrets, when they cancel the final test, there's one kid who's like, I need that for my application to wizard, like to Aura yeah. Academy. Like, what am I going to do about this? Yeah. Are, are, you, are you fucking serious? Yeah. Like this he is my to, last year. Yeah. He has to fill out a form. <laughs> we just follow this guy's like bureaucratic journey as he like fills out this form has to mail it to the, with this certain owl to this place. And he's like, he hasn't heard back in three days. He said, it, they said it would be two. <laughs> Bam. There you go. I'd watch that shit in a heartbeat. <laughs> they kind of did that with Star Trek. Like, I, you know yeah, about that? You can do it. You can do it with this kind of IP. That's a great idea. You should pitch that to fucking Warner Brothers. You could probably sell that. He's <laughs> so awesome. I would love. Uh, yeah, I, there's so many things that are fascinating from this world that are untouched, untapped, and I think I, I think it's a complete gold mine that HBO Max should fucking hop on. They really should. You'd think with like the you know the reunion special they just did and Fantastic Beasts kind of faltering. They're going to need some Harry Potter stuff just to keep like, you know, keep it relevant. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll do this. I'm sure they're going to cut JK Rowling out somehow, but um, if you, if you, if you keep kids interested, you'll live on forever. And Star Wars, they recognize that, you know, Marvel recognizes that they see, all right, if we keep doing this and if a 10 year old watches fucking, you know, uh, Black Panther. They're like, well, I want to know all the other stuff. So they go back and they watch the old stuff. And they now they're on board for the new stuff. That's how you that's how it works. And with Harry Potter, it's scary because you're like, if you're if you're a kid and you watch these new films, these Fantastic Beast films, you might just give up. That's fucking sad. They should have other avenues where they can watch things, you know, watch a TV show about specifically about Quidditch matches where we get a bunch quidditch action and then maybe kids are like oh i want to go back now and watch the films i want to watch sorcerer's stone and chamber of secrets i, I want to go back i would watch the shit out of a like friday night lights style show about oh, the quidditch t- quidditch coach yeah there's not nearly enough about quidditch in these movies you know i think we get a really good quidditch match in uh chamber uh where it's like intense and you got stuff chasing after harry trying to take him out like man why isn't there more Quidditch? Why is Quidditch is such a fucking cool idea and cool game? There should be more of this. I would watch 
even if it were made up, I would watch an hour and a half, two hour match of Quidditch. Uh, even if it was just bullshit, it was made and it didn't matter. You know, I, I would still watch it as if it were a live fucking basketball game. You know, I, I think, it, I think it has that kind of entertainment value. Well, here's something kind of sad. My college, Texas state has a Quidditch team. Yeah, no, a lot, of, a lot of colleges have like intramural Quidditch and it's like, well, but not really because you're not flying. So no. you're galloping around on a broom, basically playing soccer. Which yeah, is it's ridiculous. Yeah. I watched like, it once whatever. and I'm like, I am, I'm a nerd, but let's, let's calm down. <laughs> yeah, this is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, this is not it. This is not the answer, guys. Just go watch the movies. God damn. Uh, that's funny. All right. That's great. Out of all that. Is the just Tarantino talk. Um, so so we basically came up with the same Tarantino, and that's that's wonderful. Um, uh, but yeah, like I said, there's a bunch of shit I love from the screenplay from from the source material. Uh Ennio Morricone. This is actually um score composed by not John Williams. Yeah. What do you think about? That that change that change to to a different composer because um, John Williams obviously at the very beginning you know he has the iconic where you know exactly where you're at and John Williams is putting in some of his best work ever and we go all the way to to Deathly Hallows Part Two and it's a completely different guy yeah Williams composed the first three laid the foundation and then around I don't know who composed Goblet of Fire or Order of the Phoenix I know Half Blood Prince was Nicholas Nicholas Hooper. And uh, Deathly Hallows was Alexander Desplat. Yes. Um, he, I love Williams. I think Desplat has my favorite music of the Harry Potter franchise. Okay, let's hear it. Lily's theme. That's what oh, it's called. Man. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, it opens the movie. It's just this ethereal chant over very minimal music. And it's, it's representing, you know, Lily. And just kind of her ghost kind of watching over all this. And it's also, it plays at the end when Voldemort crumbles. It's like, mm. ju- you know, justice for Lily almost. And it's, it's such a beautiful bit of music, but it has this finality to it. Like, you know, you made it, like y- you stuck by it for 10 years. This is the end, you know, thanks for the memories. It's such a beautiful yeah. piece of music and I, I adore it. Yeah. It's like this kind of buckle up. You still have two hours, but you're here. You're at the finish line. You're at the finish yeah. line. All this you gotta do is cross for, it. This should have been up for score, 100. percent Yeah, and Alexander, you know, this is a guy who knows what's up when it comes to yeah. being at the Oscars. This is someone who's worked with a bunch of amazing filmmakers. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the score is incredible. My favorite piece of the score, I think the best piece of the score is that is Lily's theme. But my favorite kind of like quirky, different kind of unusual tone for even the Harry Potter Harry Potter films is, is uh, the the track Gringotts which is of course when they're at when they, they go to the bank it's got like weird strings in it it's got this kind of odd undertone and then it gets exciting at the end because we're you know we're seeing them do something really amazing and really essential to the story and I when I was watching it you know I was watching it last night and I was like man this, I don't really this is Ale- this that's Alexander. That's his touch. You know, he's not just doing the Harry Potter thing. He's kind of saying, no, like I'm going to bring my own flair to to these films. And what a what a ballsy thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're fucking with you're fucking with some amazing composers. And most importantly, John Williams. And 
you're trying to change the way we 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 hear things in the last movie how how last two movies last black so and I, I love it from him i've i've been a big fan of his for a long time so i i think the score is incredible and always always gets me going there's there's multiple ones that i really like uh off this score but if i had to pick just a pure favorite it's it's green gods that's a good shout um i have a soft spot for um it's called courtyard apocalypse yeah yeah just kind of going through the courtyard trying to get to the to the edge and aberforth lets out that giant patronus and saves the day and it's just ah ah he does care yeah beautiful <laughs> ah so fucking cool man uh yeah this, this is great I'm having a blast i don't want to end uh philip Seymour hoffman award who is it first thing i wrote down as i said at the top of this episode the goat of harry potter is ray fines that's what i wrote down as well he is a master in this movie <laughs> so perfect it's such a perfect committed frightening performance but you can tell he is having so much fun yep. he is hamming this shit up to 11 and he does not care he is so happy to just get to be this this monster uh just the way he yells his spells you know it's like, it's this like giant like bellow as he casts his spell he never whispers anything god rafe rafe if if anyone is going to get a psh just like that from both of us it's 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 this guy for this character um there was no question in my mind either from the from right from the get-go in other movies oh yeah there's you know because he's not in all but this is his chance to really really shine yeah and boy does he does he does he do just that you know when one of my favorite moments is when he realizes Harry's alive. You know, his reaction is, you know, he's, he's startled, but he's like, just goes right back to square one of beings fucking angry. Yep. And just, just like, Oh shit. I was in total control for a second. Like I want to be. And now I'm not motherfucker, you know? So he, he's like, I have to, and he starts fucking blasting him and, you know, things are on fire. And uh, again, just the way he, the way he walks, the way he carries himself, the way he carries the wand is all kind of at the forefront of this movie. You know, we really get that full Voldemort uh, effect. So had to go Rafe. Um, I don't even know who the fuck would be second place. Maybe Daniel Radcliffe. And I, I mean, he's amazing in this one. You know, uh, Harry's, Harry's got a lot to handle, but Rafe is so clearly the best performer in this movie. Well, this is a Voldemort who believes himself to be as strong as he's ever been. He has the elder wand. He's like, I am a God and I'm going to fuck up these people. It's, it's great. Uh, And then just watching him lose control of the situation is so satisfying, especially right after, like right before that, when he's like, you know, giving Neville the business and Neville interrupts him. And Voldemort has this like, (laughs) you don't interrupt the dark Lord look on his face, but he's like, all right, what do you got to say? It gives him a shot. I just love that. Like he clenches his fist. He's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that weird little awkward hug he gives Draco. Cause he doesn't know how Ugh. to show emotion. Like he doesn't know affection. He doesn't know what it looks like. <laughs> it's great. That was improvised by Rafe. I love that. He wasn't supposed to hug Tom Felton and Tom Felton's literally like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. 
Rafe is hugging me. <laughs> Someone please give me some water. Yeah. Yeah. It's such, such a brilliant, it's a showcase. It's a pure showcase from him. And yeah, I, I had, yeah, I'm, I'm like you, I kind of wrote it down before the movie even started. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, no one's going to change my mind on this one. Yeah, exactly. All right. Roger Deakins award. What's the best moment of this movie? This changed three times. I, I had, um, I had the, um, oh, what was it? Um, the resurrection stone scene uh, when he gets to, when Harry get, finally gets to talk to his parents. I had that. Uh, then I changed it to uh, the Harry walking into the woods and facing Voldemort. But, you know, I had it as Neville cut, killing the snake. Like I, I kept changing it. And then I realized, no, no, there's one moment in this movie that maybe the best moment in the franchise a moment I, I cheered in the theater i was when it happened i was like yes and i don't do that i'm very quiet in a movie theater but i had a moment <laughs> of like i lost control i was like yeah and that is when molly weasley blasts apart bellatrix lestrange <laughs> yes not my daughter you bitch one of the best yeah. lines ever written oh my god <laughs> yeah because it's because it's molly you know it's molly saying a curse word it's great it's, it's such a great moment. Yeah, I put I put that down as well. Uh, I love love that bit. It's two of my favorite characters of, of the of the series, and two very very powerful female characters. I think it's just such a cool moment. Uh, I think everything around it is is that last whatever twenty minutes is just glorious. Is is so breathtaking and so rewarding as as someone who go you if you go through the series if you go through the books and the movies, whatever it is, uh, you're just like, you're there, you're in, you're in it and you're, you know, it's coming to an end. So you're sad, but you're also like, there's unfinished business here. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it was between that moment where she says, not my daughter, you bitch. And, and the moment where Voldemort and Harry are just rapid fire bah, 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 on those stairs. And you're like, holy shit. This is, this is why you watch. <laughs> Voldemort crazy just blasting the killing curse. He's not even just yeah. not even thinking. Just like ah. yeah, and Harry's just bah, 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 just blocking it, fucking firing back at him. I mean th- th- that that wizard magic shit is. If you really really like Harry Potter, chances are that's why you watch. You know, uh, you watch Game of Thrones for the swords and the fucking dragons. You watch Lord of the Rings for the incredible journey of of all these different characters fighting orcs. Like fuck yeah. You watch Harry Potter. You watch Star Wars for the lightsabers. You, you know that there's always something for the nerds who really like it. This is why you watch. And when those two are going toe to toe, two of the most powerful wizards of all time, it's like, what more can you ask for? You know, it's a great showdown. So I love that, and I love when Neville kills Nagini. I love that moment. Like it's slow mo, and he boom slices it with the sword, uh, the Gryffindor sword. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. It's, you know, another moment that's kind of, you know, built up over the course of the franchise. You know, this idea that only a true Gryffindor can pull the sword from that hat. Only mm. somebody who is worthy to ha- handle that sword. And with Neville, it was like, no question about it. The sword was like, you have earned it, kid. Yeah. You've taken and some shit. <laughs> use it well. Yeah. Kill at will, my friend. Yeah. And <laughs> Neville, you, you deserve to just kind of let loose a little bit. Uh, yeah, all that stuff. I love all that stuff. I think that 
there's a run there. There's a run of about 10 or 20 minutes, whatever. That's just like, whoa, oh, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. You know, you just keep, it just keeps kind of escalating to just these, these brilliant moments. And I love when, I love when you have the moment where Harry, uh, I almost wrote this down because it's just such a fucking mature decision. When he throws the elder one, he breaks it and throws it. I fucking love that shit. I think it's so cool from Harry to be like, nah. I don't need this. Like, I don't need it. And Ron's like, we could be untouchable. It's like, I already am untouchable, bitch. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do love that moment where Ron's like, we could conquer the world. Like all of a sudden it's like, whoa, <laughs> of left field, full fucking yeah. conqueror vibe from Ron. Does Hermione shoot him? Like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And Harry's like, I have survived the killing curse twice. I just destroyed the, the worst dark wizard who ever lived. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to live a semi-normal life. And then we get the strange 19 year later thing. Uh, why 19 years? I don't know. Why not make it 20? Uh, and then we have uh, him sending off his son, which is such a cool moment. Cause he's like Albus Severus Potter. You know, I named you after two headmasters. One of them was in Slytherin and he's the bravest man I've ever known. <laughs> like, Oh my God. Uh, it's just such a sweet moment. Two things. One, I love that the kid who plays Albus Severus was the same kid who played the baby that was let at, that was dropped at the Dursley's doorstep in Sorcerer's Stone. I love isn't that. that. Incre- isn't that incredible? Yeah, that's so neat. And also, I saw um, a recreation of this scene where he's like, "Harry Potter Jr., you were named after the bravest man I've ever known. It was me. I I killed Voldemort." <laughs> so self-serving, but it made me laugh. That's so awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that. It's a good ending. It's a good ending. It is. And and you know, you're left with eight movies that fucking kick ass. So I do love that like Draco's there with his kid. And I remember, I remember thinking, like, oh, I guess there's no Hague in the wizarding world because this motherfucker would be on trial for war crimes. Yeah, right? Yeah. How did he scoot by? Like, how is he not in Azkaban with a life sentence? I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. I mean when you know when Hitler was removed from power, it's not like a lot of Nazis got to just hang around Germany and go back to school and shit. <laughs> they were rounded up. Yeah, they, they were taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Straight up. I that's always confused me. There there are those, you know, there's there's some stuff, right, that doesn't quite add up. But you know, what are you gonna do? I mean, I, I rather not harp on that. And give this this world this franchise shit, then hold on to the things that are really brilliant, um, and the things that do make sense and do add up and are really cool. And the characters, you know, the characters are what I hold on to most. Absolutely, I mean, one of my favorite little moments about the uh, the finale, the epilogue, is the fucking chocolate frog coming back. It's like yep. I've heard, you know, somebody confirmed that was the same chocolate frog. I also love that like everyone's under heavy makeup and it looks like they just gave Ron a fake gut. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. I, I, I'll take it. <laughs> Nothing's yeah, going to dampen yeah, my spirits on this movie. I don't care. No, it's, it's a short bit too. You know, the most important thing is hearing, is hearing that line. Albus Severus Potter, when he, you know, he says the name of his son. Yeah. And you're like, Oh man, they live on forever. Dumbledore and Snape live on forever. Not mentioned in the movie, but his other son is James Sirius Potter. Yeah, which is so kick-ass. Yeah. 
I would, and I, I think would, the I, daughter is Luna Lily Potter, by the way. Yeah, I, I would like, uh, I would like if he had a fourth kid, name him Remus. You know, Remus is Remus is there too. You know, Remus Mad Eye Potter. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Alistair uh, before yeah. Mad Eye. That would be funny. <laughs> I mean, probably oh, a man. Dobby Potter. Dobby, Dobby Potter. That's his dog. Yeah, Dobby. <laughs> we named the dog Dobby. Yeah, Dobby the dog. Uh, that's great. Yeah, I think I think this is one of those um, episodes where it's a, it's something that we, we just we there's so much to say and so much to unpack and we could go on for nine hours. I really do do think it, we could go there, but at some point, you know, all things have to come to an end. And that this is this is special. This is really cool. Uh, it feels right. I feel like I've properly stated uh, how how I feel about this 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 franchise and just kind of what it means, uh, kind of in my in my heart and my mind. And it's definitely it's definitely staying. You know, it's not going anywhere. So this is a blast. I love this franchise to death. This is the only ten I have given in the franchise. Yeah, go go down your um, okay. Because I have mine's easy. It's all eights, and then one nine for Azkaban, Sorcerer's Stone eight, Chamber of Secrets eight, Azkaban nine, Goblet of Fire nine, Order of the Phoenix eight, Half Blood Prince eight, Deathly Hallows Part One eight, Deathly Hallows Part Two ten. Okay, so you have a ten, a nine, a bunch of eights. Oh, you have two nines, two, two nines. nines, Azkaban Goblet and Goblet are nines. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good little stretch right there. You know. uh, Azkaban and Goblet's a good one too. You can't go wrong there. So, uh, yeah, I have no no qualms with that. You know, um, this yeah, <laughs> this is this is cool as shit, man. So tomorrow, the re- one of the other reasons we did this is because you know tomorrow uh, you guys will be talking about uh, Fantastic Beast: The Secrets of Dumbledore uh, on Sneak Preview. That'll be you and Caleb, I imagine. Uh, so you know, be on the lookout for that, and you're gonna hear other stuff. Uh, just talk about what's going on in the movie world. Uh, Wednesday, this is fantastic. We have Face Off, which is one of the wackiest, most awesome movies of all time <laughs> for, for episode 185 of, of Filmgasm. So that's, you know, definitely keep your, keep your eyes out for that one. That's going to be a fun episode. And then on Friday, uh, Beyond the Bad is next. Beyond the Bad just never ceases to amaze me with, with the, the choices, you know, it's so awesome. He is constantly thinking outside the box. And yeah, we wanted to do one of Nicolas Cage's quote unquote, you know, paycheck gigs. And uh, we had quite a lot to pick from. So Caleb went with next one that we both haven't seen. So we're going in blind. Perfect. That's great. And then if, if, if we hadn't just done leaving Las Vegas, just, I don't know, a few months ago, we would be doing some kind of Nicolas Cage action on, on Oscar Sunday, but there's also another film coming out next week, a little film called the Northman <laughs> uh, directed by Robert Eggers. Just one of my, one of my favorite dudes in the game right now, uh, director of the witch and the lighthouse. So next week on Oscar Sunday for episode 99, we will be talking about the lighthouse and talking about the 92nd Academy Awards, talking about Pattinson Defoe, and just how fucking amazing that movie is. Uh, the Northman can't wait to see that. I'll definitely be trying to see that one and the unbearable weight of massive talent in theaters. Uh, I love Nikki cage to death, but the Northman, when I see that trailer and I'm not even a big trailer guy, when I see that trailer, I'm like, 
this is for me. <laughs> and so I, 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 I absolutely have to see that movie. Um, it just looks so fucking gritty and so nasty and has some of my favorite actors of all time. So I, I will be, will be making my way to the theater for that. So we got kind of like a cage Eggers, like mashup week coming, which is like, come on, like what more can you ask for? I have no clue how I'm going to structure that sneak preview because usually we pick one and we roll with it, but both <laughs> these films are huge. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a cage movie, cage playing cage and, and, and Eggers, one of the best up and coming directors, you know, that, that, that we know of. I think he's here. I don't, I think the up and coming's over. He's here. I think, I think a third film is, is it, is the, is the, okay. All right. Like, like, I think here's an example that I think you'll agree with Jordan Peele. He's got a, he's got a realist back. I, I'm not a big, you know, I love get out. Not a big fan of us. Nope. Like needs to bring us back. Uh, Ari Aster, hereditary, incredible. Midsommar, a lot of people love, a lot of people are like, what the fuck is that? So I think he also has to reel us back. I think a third film is kind of where you see, okay, you got it. Now for me, Eggers, The Witch and The Lighthouse, both fucking great movies. Love them both. They're both, you know, completely different, but have this, this tone that is so unsettling. I'm all about it. But I do think a third film is huge for, for a director, uh, someone who's kind of taking on the writing and directing and wants to be an auteur type Um what the great Wes Anderson? He did Ball Rocket. Some people are like, eh, whatever. Rushmore, okay, all right. You know, and then Royal Tenenbaums, okay, we're good. We're <laughs> you're good. You're here. I think a third film is always is always essential. Okay. However, Pulp Fiction was Tarantino's second film. Yeah. No. Sometimes your best movie is your first or second movie. I think uh, our guy Michael Mann, Thief. I think Thief is his best movie. I think he's still trying to figure that out. Uh, Paul, Thomas, Paul Thomas Anderson, Boogie Nights, might be his best movie. I think some people, The Lighthouse might be Edgar's best movie, which I don't want to believe that, but it could, it could be. I, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for The North Man, but I think I'm more excited for his next movie, which is that Nosferatu remake he's been trying to get off the ground. Oh, dude. Yeah. But we got, we'll talk about that next week. I'm excited yeah, to do The yeah, Lighthouse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this will be fun to revisit. Yeah, it's been 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 out for three years now. So yeah, it'll be it'll be cool to kind of we you and I saw that in theaters and we were like, what? <laughs> but we knew we loved it, you know, and we knew we had a lot of fun and we loved those actors. So yeah, I can't wait to cut, you know, talk about that next week. Um, but for now, keep looking out for what we're doing. Got a fun week ahead. Uh follow us on you know Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, at filmgasm, and uh keep watching movies. Mischief Managed.